and gentlemen, some shows are just different than others. Weeks and weeks of information and research put together for one two-hour episode to help you win. And that's what one of these is today. Hayden Winks, we've gone through running backs, quarterbacks, tight ends. It's a big one. It's a doozy. Wide receiver rankings today. How you feeling, man? Good. This is the position that everybody on Underdog Fantasy cares about the most, maybe even more than they should. Uh, so I put in a decent amount of time here. Let's let's get it going. Yeah, and look, we're going to go through the top 10 position, and there's so many great names out there and how we slightly differ. But really, after that, in the bulk of, I don't know, wide receiver 15 to wide receiver 36, ADPs drastically differ from rankings, and especially ours. Can't wait to get into that. And also some big-time sleepers that I'm trying to exit a lot of our drafts with. So is Hayden. We have different names out there, and that'll catch your attention too. So be on the lookout for those. And by the way, during the running back episode, hopefully you all watched it. Seemed like you all loved it. About 60% of you who watched that are not subscribed. Change that. We want to be like a part of your fantasy football ecosystem, not just for the summer drafting best ball and underdog fantasy, but once we hit those hot, hot summers of August and September when fantasy football matters most. So smash subscribe, hit like, and definitely hit the notification bell as well on the channel down below. Okay, here we go. Wide receivers. We have to start with the man at the top. For us, the wide receiver one drafted outside by you as the wide receiver one. It is Cooper Cup. There's so many crazy numbers that we could say to Cooper Cup's name, Hayden, but maybe the one that I want to bring up before we head into what you want to talk about. He was 70 points ahead of the next closest wide receiver in half-point PPR scoring. And 70 points, if you extrapolate that, also separated the wide receiver two to the wide receiver nine. He was special. He was one of the three real league winners out there. That's the difference. And we're all drafting him as such again for 2022. And we should. What happened in 2020, we knew that Cooper Cup was good, but he only had five deep ball targets. Those are 15-plus yards downfield in 2020. You get that Matthew Stafford element. That went up from five to 26, and that's where you have the spiked weeks. We know that this offense is going to be at the very, very top when it comes to usage at the wide receiver position. Last year, they were second, basically right there with the Bills, way ahead of everybody else. You add in Allen Robinson for Robert Wood slash Odell. That's basically a wash to me. Cooper Cup, his skill set meshes so well with Sean McVay and with Matthew Stafford. So there really is no point in fading him. I think you can make an argument for Justin Jefferson as the wide receiver one overall, but that it might be getting too cute with it. Like you said, 70 more points than anybody else at the position. Uh, I'm going to be rolling with him, giving him the, the benefit of the doubt. We love a lot of these top 10 wide receivers, and it's difficult for the wide receiver one to repeat again for the second season in a row, like it is for any player, at quarterback, at running back, at at tight end. But he's perfect for Sean McVay. I mean, about 65% of the snaps were spent in the slot last year. It never really wavered before or after Robert Woods. I mean, just four times in 21 games last season, he handled 10 targets or fewer. Like, he is a volume player, and he's also a big play threat, as you mentioned it. He had a 29-plus-yard reception in 15 of 21 games last year. That's not something that you you know, typically associate with a quote-unquote slot wide receiver, but he's different. Man, like he had the shimmy and shake against Sean Murphy bunting, for example. Like even when they're in phase, he'll have these multiple moves or multiple jukes in his route to create separation. And then he's off the races. And it really shows you like the difference in quarterback play across the league and how it can unlock ceilings. Because he was always a good player, really solid player. And he was being drafted out after Robert Woods last season. But when you have someone special like Matthew Stafford, you can go through either early 
in his progression or late in his progression and find the open player. Again, the ceiling, I didn't think it was possible for Cooper Cup. And we're not even drafting it there. We're drafting for sustainability. We're drafting for consistency. And that is 100% this man. He's the safest player in fantasy right now. Like yep. Jonathan Taylor has like he the way that he's used, like it does not exactly geared to like repeating uh, RB1 overall, Christian McCaffrey, the health risk, Cooper Cup. Like to me, if he's not a top five fantasy receiver, I'd be relatively surprised there. And this surprised me when I looked it up. Um, hopefully the Rams are going to be good. Hopefully they have to, you know, keep the power to the floor and face some really good teams in order to score a bunch of points. Um, outside the division in the NFC West, they also get the Bills, the Cowboys, the Bucks, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Chargers this year. So they're going to be matching up in a lot of high total games on a weekly basis from Vegas, from the desert. And that's going to be the benefit again to us with Cooper Cup and this Rams team. We'll get to another a few of those wide receivers and their team over to our wide receiver two, Hayden. And a couple of spots after Cooper Cup, he's going. For us, that's Justin Jefferson. Uh, he appeared on the Ringer NFL show this week with Stephen Ruiz and Kevin Clark. It's funny that we're mentioning him on the heels of Cooper Cup's conversation because we know that his new play caller in Kevin O'Connell came from L.A. And so the question is, well, how is Justin Jefferson going to fit in this offense? From his mouth to our ears, quote, pretty much where Cooper Cup was at is where I'm at. And that stood out to me because last season on the Vikings, Justin Jefferson spent just 25% of his snaps in the slot compared again to Cooper Cups around 64%. And the A dot was about four yards different. So if we get more volume from, for Justin Jefferson, that again can get us to this number two overall wide receiver territory and maybe even number one. I think there's a chance that he's going to be the consensus best wide receiver in the NFL this year. I think that's the trajectory that he's on. What makes him so different is he led the position in 15 plus air yard targets last year by a wide margin, like third mm. places at like 42 targets downfield. Justin Jefferson's up at 53 and he's just so dynamic. Like you said, if he's going to be playing more of the slot, maybe he gets a couple more layup targets. And I think just in general, um, even like the target share, all that stuff uh, stays where it is. I think with just the entire team is going to be passing more. Get rid of Zimmer, who is super old school. Bring in somebody that was learning under Sean McVay. I think you're going to see more 11 personnel. You're going to see more pass attempts in general. And the defense, while it's still okay, it's not as elite as it was a couple of seasons ago. So I think Justin Jefferson is locked up uh, top two for me. I think that there's a tier break potentially even after him. I think that Justin Jefferson could easily be the wide receiver one overall this year. Ooh. And... He even called this offense now a past first unit, which yep. is music to our ears. What stood out to me, because high value targets are a real thing. He had just 20 targets inside of the 20 last season. That was 17 fewer than our wide receiver one, the wide receiver one last season in Cooper Cup. Again, it was such a massive difference to have Cup on your team. 70 points, like the greatest basically wide receiver season ever in fantasy football history. I don't think the gap's going to be that different. And I think Kirk Cousins, because you have to say, like, you need to be attached to a really good quarterback for this to happen. From your eyes, is, is Kirk Cousins good enough to support yes. the number one wide receiver in fantasy football? Definitely. Like, we mad at, we're mad at him because he throws, like, a pathetic interception, like, randomly. But he's super accurate, and he's an aggressive passer. I think, he, of course, he is. Like, look at l last year's Jeff Justin Jefferson numbers. I think that we're going to be repeating that with a chance for maybe 10% more just because – 
I'm expecting the offense just to not be slow paced and run heavy. Like those days are for sure going to be behind us. What happens if Adam Thielen misses some more time again? So um, yeah, I'm all in. So those are two of the wide receivers that are selected in the top five. There is one more and his name is Jamar Chase. Uh, we're going to throw some highlights up here in a moment. You're about to see some massive big plays against single high coverage, extended play in the red zone where a cornerback simply can't stick with Chase for more than five seconds, and ludicrous after the catch yards he's able to create on his own, which was honestly a crazy revelation to me coming from his game at LSU. It's really easy. Even in his first 17 regular season games, Jamar Chase makes it look so easy. Yeah, I mean, he's a complete freak and he matches up with Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow, when he sees single high defenses and it's one on one opportunities, Jamar Chase is getting the ball. The reason why I have Justin Jefferson maybe uh, in that tier with Cooper Cup and then Jamar Chase a little bit after that, I'm still drafting him as the fifth overall player. Um, it's because what Jamar Chase was doing is a little less stable year to year. Now, obviously, Jamar Chase is going to be dunking on my, my regression models for the rest of his life because he's so damn good. But he did score. Uh, 5.9 more touchdowns than expected based off of his usage, which was the highest um, uh, rate over my model in the NFL last year. And he was so efficient on the deep ball as well. So I think that just what the way Justin Jefferson is used is a little more stable to, to Jamar Chase. But don't get me wrong. Jamar Chase is the fifth overall player on my board. He's an absolute stud. Uh, he proved last year what he's able to do. He just has to make an adjustment. I think the Bengals will against two high coverages uh, this year, but I'm not going to be the one to be doubting Jamar Chase, of course. It is funny. Again, when you're seeing all these highlights here on the YouTube channel, whenever Joe Burrow sees single high coverage, his eyes instantly look for Jamar Chase on vertical routes on the field, and he just simply runs by his man. And it's like, what did you prepare for? Did you watch this? Does it look like a different player on the field versus on tape? Because he's just running by fools. Um, the camaraderie, the mind meld, that he had with Joe Burrow instantly in these contests was so apparent from their time at LSU together. And you're right, Hayden, if someone simply didn't watch the games, if they just looked at Excel spreadsheets, they would call out regression every single week in five week stretches for Jamar chase, because it's these insane plays that he's able to reel off at a much higher level. These, as Joe Burrow said himself, are probably going to be eliminated or more difficult to lock down than they were last season. But I also think Jamar Chase is pretty good enough to run inside breaking routes, to sit in other zones, to, you know, take shorter receptions and maybe a bit more volume. It's crazy. And Ian Hart, it's our buddy, pointed this out. He ranked fourth in the NFL in yards after catch per reception last season, despite having an average depth of target five plus yards ahead of anyone else in front of him. He's built different, man. He really is. Yep. Totally agree. Just to recap this expected half PPR points per my model. Cooper Cup 16.8 last year. Devontae Adams 15.7. Justin Jefferson 14.4. You scroll all the way down and then Jamar Chase is at 11. So for what he did to be a top three receiver last year is beyond ludicrous as a rookie. But that's like a three or four point difference that he has to make up based off of efficiency. So that's why I have him kind of in a tier by himself. Um, yeah. But I think they're going to be passing the ball more to him early in the season. Cause the Bengals are another one of those teams, kind of like the Vikings where we think they're just going to pass the ball a little bit more this year because Burrow's healthy. The offensive line is so healthy as well. And that was my question. You might've already said this and I was maybe just gazing at Jamar chases highlights and, and it went through one ear and out the other. If we see, let's say 
three to five to six fewer of these massive big plays from last year, which are, you know, week changing game changing moments is a more pass happy offense that the Bengals enough to close that gap. Or again, are these 40 yard touchdowns so much more impactful than let's say an extra, I don't know, four to five targets per game. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good conversation to have. I, I do think that even if he's ha- has less 50-yard touchdowns, that means that those drives are going to have a couple more plays. And when yeah. they have a couple more plays, he's just going to translate. Instead of a, a one 50-yard touchdown, he's going to have two more catches for 30 yards. So I don't think he's that like, – he's he's a regression candidate, but it's not that much. I think he's still going to be a top-five fantasy receiver. I'm drafting him as the fifth overall player, so I'm still very bullish on him. I just think that Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup, just the, the dynamics of those offenses and their role – um, I think just makes him a little bit safer than Jamar Chase. And he's not the only Bengals wide receiver that we'll talk about in the top 10. So let's hang on to that conversation a little while longer. Okay. We are a bit different at our wide receiver four. So I'll go with mine first. Okay. I'll take the step. I'll take the leap. Mine is Stefan Diggs. So after being the wide receiver three in his first year attached to Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills, he finishes the wide receiver 10 last year in uh, points per game. And correct me if I'm wrong, you know, you're in the spreadsheets. I'm just, you know, trying to watch these games. It was basically just a drop in efficiency, right? Like he dropped from a 78% ludicrous catch rate in his first year there down to 65% last season. And also saw a drop of about 11% of his snaps in the slot and then added another 1.5 yards in terms of air yards per target. So I think that there's probably less target competition just from a wide receiver standpoint out there. And I don't think the talent has dropped off at all from Stefan Diggs. And this is easily one of those, you know, top three, top four passing offenses we want to be associated with. The big play was just kind of removed. And I think that was just variance. Big plays are both the most valuable thing in fantasy, but also the most fluky. And you have to kind of pick your battles when you're going to lean into it in 2020. Steph Diggs caught 52% of his deep ball targets, 15 yards downfield last year. That dropped down to 38%, which is a little bit below average. And that's not no fault of Steph Diggs. A couple of throws here and there is going to change that. So um, I do look at expected touchdowns. It's one of my favorite stats because that's big driving force, how good you are and how good your quarterback is. And he was the wide receiver three and expected touchdowns all the way up at 11. So I think that he is in this conversation. I am expecting a bounce back. I think part of that is just going to be natural luck on how many of those deep balls are completed. And also maybe a little bit of maybe those like five, six yard throws, third and six, maybe a couple more of those when you remove Emmanuel Sanders and Colby's. I think that Gabe Davis is now as good as those players were last year, but Gabe Davis is good in the capacity downfield broken plays. Right. He's not on the level of Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley, uh, but between the like 10 yards, because I don't think he's as flexible as those guys. And that's where as you can see Steph Diggs add a couple more targets uh, this season as well. So I, I'm with you. He's a top five, top six wide receiver this year, uh, even though last year he was a relative bust. It's pretty amazing when you look at the top, I don't know, 24 wide receiver names. So many of them either have a new quarterback they're attached to, a new team they're attached to, or a new play caller they're attached to. And obviously, Stefan Diggs is part of that. We had this conversation with Josh Allen, our quarterbacks ranking show. Hopefully, you checked it out. Uh, you know, the Ken Dorsey factor is one we're not sure about. I'm just expecting it because the Bills just are running so hot right now and making really solid decisions that I'm not going to second guess it. Uh, but this is also a conversation that could linger into September or October if it's not hitting perfectly, but I loved how you outlined the Stefan Diggs conversation. Again, the Isaiah McKenzie's, 
the Jamison Crowders of the world, I don't think they're playing outside. So I think we're going to see the usage of an outside wide receiver far more often last season than we did again, about 11% more often in the slot in his first year there. But he's so good in those ISO ball situations. And just with how Josh Allen has morphed and it's an association with Stefan Diggs uh, coming to Buffalo into one of the best deep ball throwers in the league is, is a true progression. And they really, really do benefit each other. He's going as the number eighth or ninth selection right now on underdog fantasy. There is one more player who's going in the top 12. That's a wide receiver. And that's Devonte Adams, your wide receiver for, um, he gets back with his buddy and Derek Carr Hayden. Talent-wise, arguably the best wide receiver in the league, point blank period. Yeah, I totally agree. Last year, he was fourth and better in best ball points per game. He's been top 10 for like the last three years. I think that Derek Carr is obviously a downgrade from Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think it's like such a severe downgrade. The Raiders' defense is not that great, and they're going to be in a division full of shootouts. So I think Devontae Adams is going to get his. I'm expecting maybe, what, 20% less targets, or maybe not targets, but but yards and touchdowns. But even if that does happen, he still could be a top five uh, fantasy wide receiver. This is just a trust in Devontae Adams being so ludicrous at every single level, throwing the little sprinkle that these the quarterback and wide receiver already know each other, and I think that I'm going to be giving him the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, last three seasons that he's played at least 14 games, he's seen at least 149 targets. Like you just said, it's really easy to talk up Devontae Adams that almost in order for us to have an extended conversation on him, we need to investigate how this situation really differs than his time in Green Bay because it's drastically different. Every year we ask for more and more help for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams among the wide receiver group. We really never got it. We really never did. And then now he lands in Las Vegas, surrounded by Hunter Renfro, who we'll talk about later, and Darren Waller. Um, he's dominated really high-value target opportunities. Over the last four years, he's had 31% of the Packers' red zone targets, which easily led all wide receivers in red zone target rate. The next closest, I believe, was around 25%. Um, we know the Raiders have been awful during their time, despite some improved offenses in red zone touchdown rate. They were 29th last year, 23rd and 22nd before that. So then not only do you bring in Devontae Adams, you bring in Josh McDaniels as a play caller who has really run a whole bunch of different systems over the last few years. Like you said, it's not just the, hey, my quarterback's going to focus on me in go-to situations for periods of the time, um, but it's a good enough offense despite what everyone's saying about the AFC West, that I think it's 100% going to contend. Um, could you envision a wide receiver one or wide receiver two outcome here like we've had in the past for Devontae Adams? Yeah, he's the best receiver in the league until Justin Jefferson steals that from him soon. And so, yeah, I'm not going to rule anything out. I think that Derek Carr is also a little underappreciated. He's changed the last two years as more of a vertical thrower. Remember, there's so many times where he's taking sacks and he wasn't willing to throw the ball downfield. Now he is, and that unlocks... Some of the ceiling. I mean, he just made Hunter Renfro like we were ranking him as like a top 15 overall yeah. player or uh, receiver, at least late down, late down the stretch last year. I mean, come on. Devontae Adams is better than Hunter Renfro. One difference. Josh McTaylor's really didn't run any screens last year to his wide receivers. Kendrick Bourne led the Patriots with eight. And we know Devontae Adams had 25 screen targets last year. So we'll find out in week one how much of the RPO package, which has not been a part of Derek Carr's game, is going to be in, you know, impacted into this like it was with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. But again, this is a, a talent that you use wisely and in a put them in a good position to succeed and your offense is really going to benefit. Okay. So those are the top 12 picks. I believe what? Five wide receivers go there. If you have not played fancy football this summer, what are you doing? 
Underdog Fantasy is the best place to do it. It is best ball. All you do is draft. That means you can do five drafts, 15 drafts, 25 drafts. You don't have to worry about them when, you know, September 15th rolls around and you set your lineups or go on to waivers. Again, 18 rounds, just quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. That's it. And then you roll and you go and do another draft right after that. Deposit anything, use promo code the show, and Hayden will match it up to $100. Okay. This is where things get a little bit more interesting. Uh, we have two tied for wide receiver six, and this time we'll start with yours, Hayden. And your name is Mike Evans. Eight NFL seasons. Eight seasons over 1,000 yards. I mean, just some level of consistency. It also speaks to playing through injuries. And over the last two, it speaks to playing with uh, a guy named Tom Brady. Yeah, it turns out Tom Brady's pretty good. Mike Evans also pretty good. I think his floor is extremely high. He is the better and best ball guy because he's used in the red zone and used downfield. And those how you, that's how you get uh, – unlimited ceilings and this year i think in particular this is a bet maybe against chris godwin to start the season it's definitely uh i'm kind of like putting a lot of faith in how much antonio brown and rob gronkowski leaving this offense means for mike evans in the 12 games with uh either chris godwin or antonio brown missing he averaged 16.7 half ppr points that would have made him the wide receiver four last year the usage in those games would have made him a wide receiver 12 we know that mike evans is going to be very efficient with tom brady this year and if chris godwin has a step back of any sort we're going to be able to sustain this for a long chunk of the season worst case chris godwin is back at full health later in the year and you're still getting a top 12 fantasy receiver attached to a quarterback that you and i both called undervalued so i think that mike evans is one of my favorite picks in the second round if i don't like the running backs in that range mike evans is kind of the name that i like and i like uh, pairing him up if I can with Christian McCaffrey because they play each other in week 17 as well. He's so good. Big boys can run routes too. And still the contested catch is always in his back pocket. I believe he led the NFL and contested catch rate last season with 86%. Eight, are you kidding me? 86%. And look, he's always competed the last few years, as you outlined with Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, and Antonio Brown. And sure, in that time, he's seen about two fewer targets per game than he did with Jameis. But Man, he's the guy now. Like, he is the go-to player where so much of the offense, when Tom Brady wants to throw the ball seven to ten times in a row, it's him and Russell Gage. Um, 12 targets inside the 10-yard line last year, eight touchdowns. And I believe, you might just said this, he has scored a touchdown in every single game that Chris Godwin has missed over the last two seasons. There Pretty we go. cool. Pretty good. I mean, yeah, to me, this is like a layup pick. He is going right now as the wide receiver seven just after that turn around the 16th or 17th overall selection. Again, he's, other than Devontae Adams, the oldest name we've talked about so far. But I even think there's a pathway for him to finish as a top two wide receiver this year. Like, you can make that case for a lot of these names that we're discussing, even in round two, and you can't really do that for a lot of the running backs, I think. so. Yeah, he can have, like, the Justin Jefferson Jefferson season from last year with Adam Thielen missing if if there's another setback with Chris Godwin. Okay, I also want to talk about... CD Lamb in this spot uh, because his game had to morph over the last two years. Remember during his rookie season, he actually played 91% of his snaps in the slot this past season, 36% of his snaps in the slot. We just did an on off splits show and Hayden did a great outline of what CD Lamb was like when one of Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup missed time. Guess what? We know for at least, the first half of the season, both of them 
are not in the roster. And then hopefully Michael Gallup comes back at full health. I mean, he's greatly improved his contested catch areas. I guess my, my question to you, Hayden, is we all love CeeDee Lamb coming out of the draft. He's really fun after the catch. He, he kind of moves differently with how he leans his body. But can he be great? Can he be incredible? Because we've already talked about with you know the other six wide receivers already discussed. They are great already. They are incredible. And CeeDee Lamb just hasn't gotten to that point yet, I think. Yeah, the, to me, the difference is he needed to get stronger. And training camp reports said that he's put on like 14 pounds. He's like, I think he's also said that he grew an inch, which uh, I'll be betting sense. against that. But um, to me, there was a lot of plays over the middle where he would kind of get alligator arms. And I think maybe with a little more experience, adding a little more size to him, and that will be able to iron himself out. But like you said, he's very fluid and he, he is a great athlete and he's got uh, decent hands when he's not going over the middle. So I think that he has a, a massive ceiling, like you mentioned in the nine games without Cooper or Gallup, he averaged 14.4 or 14.1 half PPR points. That would have made him the wide receiver 12. We're drafting him ahead of that. I think that we are drafting CD lamb pretty close to his ceiling, but yeah. that's not, not never the argument that we should be making. It's like, do you see a wide receiver that should be ranked ahead of CD lamb? And to me, I think he's getting into the right range. We are, paying for the breakout but i think the breakout is coming i think that we're going to see him in uh two wide receiver sets and that was kind of something that we were always hoping to get more of and i think that if the cowboys defense isn't as good and they are the regression candidate on the defensive side this year they're gonna have to pass a little bit more if Dak prescott can roll out of the pocket a little bit better without that calf injury you could see some more big plays here and if like uh if Michael Gallup has another setback, who right. knows what happens there too. So I think that CD lambs we're, we're paying for the, the breakout, but the breakout's coming. We 100% are, uh, as you said, it's a heavy price. He finishes the wide receiver 17 in points per game last year. I'm about to give you really simplistic analysis, but CD lamb just has to score more touchdowns. <laughs> like it's kind of that simple. He had six as a rookie and six last season. Uh, we need to get that to like 12, you know, we need to see that double. I think part of that is that the Cowboys at their heart love to use Ezekiel Elliott inside the five yard line as a bruiser to score points. We see it over and over again. Sometimes he gets three straight carries in those instances. Uh, more touchdowns would help. And also, I want to keep bringing this up because, again, I don't think it's getting a lot of love from a, a national perspective or a lot of attention. Those super close to the Cowboys were not thrilled with how Kellen Moore finished the year in terms of gimmies, in terms of early passes in the progression. He almost relied on Dak Prescott to get to his secondary and tertiary reads. We need some easy stuff. And the easiest stuff can be shorter receptions to CeeDee Lamb and allow him to dominate after catch because, again, jumping from his first year to his second year, he forced 13 more missed tackles. It's a part of his game and a phase of his game that we saw so much at Oklahoma that I hope we see a little bit more often now at the NFL level. Those touchdowns will come when he gets bigger and he plays with more physicality. So hopefully we get it. Okay. I'm even seeing him being drafted as like the 10th overall selection as ADP is closer to wide receiver 14. So again, despite that num numerical ADP, some people are paying even more over that makes me a little bit nervous. Okay. So now we're up to the wide receiver eight. Speaking of players who are jumping teams and quarterbacks and coaches, our wide receiver eight is Tyreek Hill. He's being drafted as the wide receiver nine. 72% uh, of Jan Waddle's targets were less than 10 yards down the field last season. 
That number was just 57% for Tyreek. He also dropped, I believe, his touchdowns from 15 to 9 last season. Like, this is just a gigantic shift. Doesn't have to be in the perspective of how we view Tyreek Hill's game when he's associated to quarterbacks because quarterbacks are the guys that really help, you know, turn wide receivers in the number one or number two overall players their position. Just a jump from Patrick Mahomes down to Tua. Yeah, if you're just looking at uh, fantasy usage, the Chiefs are always going to be top eight uh, to their wide receivers because of Patrick Mahomes. And if you look at Tua, he's closer in middle of the pack with the Dolphins last year. And if you look at the 49ers, they're also middle of the pack. So I think target competition uh, is basically about the same when it has Travis Kelsey versus Jalen Waddle, more or less. Right. But I think the difference is pace of play, neutral pass rates, those type of things. Also, we're going to be competing for the first time Travis Kel or uh, Jalen Waddle is excellent in the screen game. Yes. Tyreek Hill has never had that like kind of addition in that element. It was kind of a yin and yang. And now you're competing for two similar ish type of players. And obviously I don't think that to uh, uh, despite what Tyreek Hill has said, uh, he is not as accurate as Patrick Mahomes, especially deep downfield. So I'm, I'm pretty nervous here. Like this is to me where we're getting into the range. CD lamb, Tyreek Hill, these guys, where they're next to Saquon Barkley and Javante Williams and James Conner and Leonard Fournette, where I'm, I've been going the running backs over the wide receivers uh, in this range. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of worried here. Yeah, I am too a little bit. And I realized that my notes are just comparing what Tyreek Hill looked like last season versus what Jalen Waddle was used in Miami. And I understand that might not be totally fair because Mike McDaniel's coming in and he's going to change the offense, hopefully. But I'm not sure how much you can change it when Tua and the style of play he has and where he succeeds is always going to be attached to it. Like, for example, Tyreek Hill had 25 deep targets last season, despite having the lowest A dot of his career since his rookie season at 11. I mean, Jalen Waddle's A dot was seven last year. You know, Jalen Waddle only had 12 deep targets compared to, again, the 25 that Tyree kill had Devonte had nine, two chiefs were at 13 and 12 more than any other Miami dolphin last season. And I want to bring this up because I wonder if we're going to see more quote unquote middle of the field targets because you know, that's what San Francisco really thrives on in their passing game. And I've seen it mentioned out there. Well, isn't Tua and Jimmy, can't they do the same exact things? We've outlined this in some shows. I want to dive into it a bit more. The two succeed in totally different areas of the field, or at least what we have seen of Tua so far. Because Jimmy, for all the qualms I have with his game, the middle of the field is difficult to throw to. It's full of trash. The windows are tight. You have to have arm strength for it. And that's where Jimmy operated. And that's where yards after catch opportunities can really succeed. And where Tua wants to throw is to the left, outside the numbers, in open space, get the ball in his receiver's hands. So I have no clue what a Mike McDaniel plus Tua plus Tyreek plus Jalen Waddle offense is going to look like. I just don't know if we can take any of the pieces that have really succeeded in any other, you know, previous stop for all of the entire group and say, yeah, all four are going to succeed this year. If that makes sense. No, I agree. We're entering the wild, wild West when it comes to scheme quarterback, all of those are different changes. And I'm, I'm right there with you. Jimmy G he throws so many frustrating interceptions because he's trying to throw these middle of the field targets, which are the most efficient targets per uh, per play, but they're very boom bust because you can get some interceptions. And Tua, like that left dot on the on the red dot on the left side on Tua's chart, that is an RPO slant. 
And yep. nobody threw more RPO slants than two last year. It was actually absurd. And that's what Tyreek Hill is going to have to get used to. But all of a sudden, now you're competing with two players that kind of win in more or less the same same way. So I'm. This isn't. This is a team that I basically have zero shares of. I'm down on Mike Gesicki. No. I'm down on Jalen Waddle. I'm down on Tua. I'm down on all the running game. This is one of the teams where I might have like sub five percent ownership on every single one of these guys. It's just like an offense. I'm just kind of nervous about with how much volume is going to be there and how even evenly split this can get. And I, I want to say like, at least for me, I'm not down on the Dolphins like in totality for the 2022 season. I can't wait to watch them. I'm optimistic. Let's put it that way. But how you outlined it with the range of players going around him at Tyreek Hill right now is a 21st overall player going an underdog. Saquon Barkley's one pick before Leonard Fournette is one pick after like that's a running back sweet spot. It yep. truly is. And as we have outlined with a lot of these names so far, big plays really matter for like spiked weeks at wide receiver. Tua was 35th in percent of pass attempts that traveled 20 plus yards among starting quarterbacks last season. 35th. And if you can just imagine back in your head, while Patrick Mahomes is so good at the simple stuff, the inside of structure stuff, and doesn't get enough credit for that, where he's truly special is when holding to the football for more than 2.84 seconds, elongating plays, finding Tyreek Hill getting deep beyond the defense, and then unleashing those passes. I know Tua did it at Alabama a little bit, but he's not Patrick Mahomes. And like that equaled so many massive spiked weeks for Tyreek Hill. And I wonder if, if those opportunities are going to be like cut into a third, you know, of what we saw with Kansas City. I don't like being negative, so let's move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's get positive. We talked about his teammate already. We go back up to Cincinnati. Talk about T. Higgins. Uh, first of all, there's simply too many good or great receivers for a secondary to even match up with this group. We showed highlights of Jamar Chase. I'm about to show some highlights of T. Higgins. They actually win in, in very different ways, and they really do complement each other, don't they, Hayden? Yeah, to me, T. Higgins, he was 34th in uh, better in best ball points per game last year. This is an offense that we think is going to pass them all a little bit more. And to me, this is like small loss. Like T. Higgins is just going to, at worst, he's going to be like a boom bust wide receiver too. But if Jamar Chase misses any time here, I mean, good Lord, where are we going to be ranking T. Higgins? So this is like small loss, big win at the 2-3 turn. I prefer him over some of the ga- the guys that we just mentioned. I, I would rather just chase the upside that T. Higgins would have if Jamar Chase were ever to miss some time. I think he's just really damn good at the game, and I just want to be betting on Joe Burrow with an offensive line that looks way, way, way improved because of this offseason. Yeah. Again, when the team sees cover one, they're taking a shot. Um, but T Higgins really doesn't rely on those shot plays as much as Jamar chase does. He had 18, 20 plus yard targets last year in comparison to 34 for chase. And he's not a yak guy either. Again, Jamar chase and 8.1 yards at the catch per receptions. T Higgins was all the way down at 3.9, but we will need him to win those contested passes. I don't know if you remember this, but while compiling these notes, there was like a section of the season last year where T Higgins, had 23 contested catch opportunities and only came up with seven of them. And then the final 13 contested catch opportunities he had, he came down with nine of them. And I don't know if that's just variance, if that's just regression, any of that sort. But it is like a mainstay because he doesn't move like a lot of these other fluid iso ball wide receivers that we're talking about. And he needs to win those. He needs to win those almost like Mike Evans. And he has that. Now, we also can see it in a lot of these cover two 
pass patterns. Here's a contest catch, by the way, that is perfectly thrown and splitting the defense, and he goes up and times it perfectly. Um, those two high shells that we see, he loves those inside breaking routes, those inside cutters, and we expect to see a bit more of those for the Bengals this year to face, and I think he's going to benefit. And then the Bengals, towards the end of the year, start using he and Chase in tandem on the same side and just putting defensive backs in blenders on one section of the field. And I expect that to see that a lot more too, uh, as we move on throughout their careers. I'm very confident. T Higgins is very good. Like yeah. as simple as that. Very confident. In it. <laughs> and again, what you said of the factored in possibility that, Hey, if chase misses three, four five games, we have that conversation with Tyler Boyd too, a whole clip on him. And then T Higgins obviously gets a notch up and vice versa at the same time. Okay. Number 10, our wide receiver is Debo Samuel. Actually, where you and I probably disagree the most among these top 10 groups, I have him with ADP as wide receiver eight. You have him as your wide receiver 11. Just to start, I want to say that things are about to change, I think, a lot for the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, we outlined it when talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, how he thrived in the middle of the field and Debo thrives in the middle of the field. We need to see that consistency, that element of take what's given from Trey Lance. Hopefully he can do that. But I also think we're going to see a bit more from Debo Samuel, too, in terms of outside breaking routes and this offense from outside breaking routes, too. Uh, just I want to leave you with a, a figure and get your perspective on it. Last year with Debo Samuel, he would have been the wide receiver 10 overall in points per game if you just factor in his 1,400 yards and receptions and touchdowns that he had in the passing game. That's wild for the wide receiver three overall. And then he also scored more rushing points than Ronald Jones. Because the rushing numbers and the figures and the storyline, the narrative that's been in our head all offseason, I think that's almost clouding people's judgment or making them forget a little bit of just how damn good solely a wide receiver Debo Samuel is. Last year, Debo Samuel led the position in catch rate on uh, deep throws. He caught 70% of them, which is the most in the league. It's, he's absurd as an actual wide receiver. I'm hoping that he plays more actual wide receiver because I think that's what unlocks his ceiling in fantasy. I want more targets instead of carries. I want him to stay healthier. I think Debo Samuel also wants to play wide receiver, so that's what I'm hoping for. To me, the Debo Samuel thing is a couple things. One, just because he was that good last year also means at the same time that he's a regression candidate. Last year's Debo se season was absurd like he he can be still absurd and just not that absurd um and i think the other part of the thing is what is this offense going to look like with trey lance is, yeah. are they going to be run, more run heavy is just the total piece of the pie going to be a little bit smaller add in a little bit of the regression uh add a little bit of the contract stuff and then i'm slightly below the market this is just one of those players where it's like everyone loves depot you know like so you're paying a, a pretty decent price on him a little regression, a little Trey Lance. Uh, what does that mean for the offense? I'm going to be slightly. Um, but isn't isn't lower. the regression? Isn't paying the price all already factored into the wide receiver three last year going as the wide receiver eight? Is that not a fair statement to make? Yeah, I, I think I think it's mostly and like we're not. I, I think I think it's I'm very close to Debo Samuel in the rankings, but to me it's like those wider or those running backs that we mentioned. It's like I'm taking those Leonard Fournette over Debo Samuel. Got it. Um, Take one well. over him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, 21% of his targets were behind the line of scrimmage last year. Maybe those go away a little bit. He's just so good 
He's so good as a pure wide receiver. And we're going to get into maybe a little bit of Brandon Ayuk conversation later on. Uh, but what he does with taking routes over the middle and running after the catch with them, no one moves like him. And maybe the R word, the regression word does factor in here. But as someone that doesn't build spreadsheets and leave my computer on for three weeks in a row, so I don't have to restart programs. Um, is it possible that Jamar Chase and Debo Samuel just break models for the re- remainder of their of career? Of course. Yeah. Like that's like, regression. Like when I'm when I'm talking about regression, that's like to an NFL average starter baseline. Of course, Devontae Adams, Debo Samuel, these players are always going to be above expectation because they're better at football. But when he's like six like fantasy points over expect ex- expected even like Justin Jefferson last year was like two or three. Like, you know, like yeah. when you go from six to three, that's like negative regression. He'll still be outdo my model, but to like what extent in here and he Debo Samuel, don't get me wrong is special, 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 special talent. I'm expecting him to still dunk on my model. I'm just saying maybe not at the same rate as he did last year. And I 100% believe that they are taking away the running back snaps. Like he is going to focus almost solely at wide receiver. Now, what happens near the red zone and the end zone? I can't answer those questions. I think you can also not see running back snaps, but a lot of end rounds or misdirection Brains. that 100% works because we saw that two years ago with both he and Brandon Ayuk, and you can get rushing scores that way too. But at least in my book, having Debo focus on wide receiver like he wants to is not a bad thing. I think it's a win. It's a good thing. Yep. It's a win. Okay. Another player who changed teams, AJ Brown. Big conversation here. Um, if you look at Jalen Hurts's passing chart, the middle of field is is non-existent. In fact, it was almost all in a really soft spot and comfort area for him was on the right side. So to me, this is two things for the A.J. Brown, Eagles, Jalen Hurts conversation. One, in the short term, this addition of A.J. Brown, who thrives in that catch and run straight in front of the quarterback, it opens up that area of the field to help the Eagles win, right? And then two, it's to see if Jalen Hurts is the guy, right? So I think at the very least, where, unless it's just an area, like we talk about the other quarterbacks Jalen Hurts can't throw to, A.J. Brown is still going to succeed on an area where he wins, right? But at the very worst, you have a player who, in the opportunities are given to him, he's a powerful yards after catch monster that is uh, difficult to recreate across the other 31 teams. Yeah, first things first. When healthy, A.J. Brown, you can make an argument as a top five actual NFL receiver. The thing with that makes him tricky for fantasy purposes is last year the Eagles were dead last in fantasy usage to wide receivers. Dead last. The, the Browns, the Falcons, the Saints – they were using their wide receivers more than the Eagles. Now you and I both believe that they're going to pass more because they have AJ Brown, but you and I are both huge fans of Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard as well. And there's only so many pass attempts that this offense could possibly have here. So I think that the AJ Brown stuff is very complicated. I'm a little bit lower on him. I've not been drafting him too Mm. much, even though I really like Jalen hurts um, in fantasy. I just think that I like really like Devonta Smith. I like Dallas Goddard. I'm a little bit concerned that AJ Brown is going to have, 7.5 targets per game and some of the wide receivers right next to him are going to have like nine and yet while he is that efficient he is that much of a stud I do think that Ryan Tannehill's accuracy and Jalen Hurts accuracy uh, is a pretty big difference as well 
I 100% agree with that. And I'm actually going to pull up the passing chart after we watch these highlights, because as you can see, everything is over the middle of the field. It's allowing him to run with it and he wins with it, you know? And then once corners try to take off that middle of the field, boom, it's outside breaking routes. And then again, he wins after the catch and he, and he runs down the field. We've outlined it on multiple shows. I feel awful continuing to repeat it, but from a top-down approach, the Eagles want to throw the football. It's very clear with this A.J. Brown move that it signals that. Um, and if Jalen Hurts can't do it, they will move on. Now, will they move on this year? I highly doubt it. They will not pivot over to Gardner Minshew, I think. But how you just outlined it, where if he's seeing eight targets versus players seeing 12 targets taken in the similar range, that can be tough. That, that can be difficult. Uh, I just want to see... AJ Brown ball and given opportunities. Like I want him to be a 12 target player, you know, because he's special. He's really special. Maybe in 2023. <laughs> Do you want to have the, the Devonte Smith conversation now Let's as well? Because I think it's, I think it's worth talking about again, as we pull up the uh, passing chart for it's the one on the right here, again, the middle of the field, the left side of the field, blind spots for Jalen hurts. And it's interesting when we went back and watched Devonte Smith during the season, he was the only wide receiver who could win down the field, like in breaks and creating on his own and separating. That was it. And now is he going to benefit from AJ Brown or is it going to be worse for him? Hayden from a even seeing possible fewer targets than last year. So I want to make this very clear. It is better for his efficiency when A.J. Brown is out there. It is not better for him in fantasy. You want as less target competition as you can for these type of players. Uh, last year, Devonta Smith was the wide receiver 43 in usage. And now you have A.J. Brown. So like to me, Devonta Smith is an absolute stud. He was making some ridiculous catches when I went back and found him. I think that he's going to have easier matchups and his body type. He might need to have those easier matches uh, to have like an elite seat uh, ceiling, but I think it's just going to be hard to me. This is just a, I'm struggling to see where, how the volume gets distributed yeah. to Dallas Goddard, AJ Brown and Devonta. Yeah. Now I think that they will want to be like top 10 in pass attempts, but then you're competing. I don't know with the Bengals, a lot of these other teams that we are talking about the Rams, the chargers, so on and so forth. And uh, man, it's, it's, I have, I have in my mind who the Eagles want to be, what they can be. And Devonte Smith still winning on the outside. Like we saw last year, because again, in isolation in his route running, he is awesome. And then there were times where Jalen hurts was just late on throws and the separation that he created. And especially because it's further down the field and, and not just in front of his face. Um, that separation was eliminated. It was erased. And I, I just don't want him to have that career because he's special. He's a good okay. player. We like Jalen Hurts. If we're going to stack him, who are you trying to stack him with? To me, like I would rather stack Devonta Smith and Jalen Hurts because the price tag is is cheaper or Dallas Goddard just to fill out that tight end position. And I think the other name, Quez Watkins, he is their number three receiver. I don't know why, but they are really high on Quez Watkins from everything that I'm seeing. Obviously he's not going to be fantasy relevant outside of better and best ball spike weeks, but he's the guy that offers some downfield speed. So at, at the last round, if you have Jalen hurts, I think that he's at least worth queuing up. Yeah. Again, we have AJ Brown ranked as our 11th wide receiver. That's exactly where his ADP is at right now for Devonte Smith. I actually am six spots ahead of you. I'm three spots ahead of ADP at wide receiver 30. So that would probably be my answer. 
Um, they go right next to each other. Devonta Smith and Jalen Hurts. I think the other tricky part is they go right next to each other in ADP. So how you get right. them on the same team makes it a little tricky as well. Right. Cover your ears, Hayden. But I think, unfortunately, this has led me to some naked Jalen Hurts, some Jalen Hurts by himself in terms of with a Russian quarterback. I think that's a bit more acceptable than it is for, for other types, you know? So that's probably my answer more than anything is I probably have more Jalen Hurts teams by themselves by his lonesome rather than attached to someone else. So maybe that means I should be reaching for Quez Watkins in 18th round. Yeah, maybe it's Quez Watkins and uh, Dallas Goddard. Who knows? Well, but then Dallas Goddard, like I just want to take Dawson Knox in that area too. You know, yeah, it's tough. Okay. A couple more here in this top 12 slash top 13. And we go to someone who is a huge projection because he finished as the wide receiver 25 in points per game last season. That's Michael Pittman, who we have all the way up as our wide receiver 12 and is being drafted in that same exact area, wide receiver 14 by everyone out there. I mean, he saw 25% of his team's targets last season with a worse quarterback that his coach just like didn't trust last year. We just need, is it the simple Frank Reich to trust Matt Ryan because that can boost, you know, what, 7.6 targets per game, maybe up to 10. Yeah, I, I think that he's going to get more targets this year and they're going to be more efficient targets because even late stage Matt Ryan to me is better than Carson Wentz. I mean, last year, Michael Pittman scored 1.4 fewer touchdowns than expected because Carson Wentz was throwing just balls into the second row in the red zone. It was making, making me nuts. Um, so I think that Michael Pittman's a good player. We got the reception perception confirmation, uh, and that kind of sent his ADP up a couple spots. And I think just justifiably Michael Pittman, he's big. And I think a lot of people think that he's just like this, like jump ball specialist. Nah, he is like screen game, uh, a quick little slant. You get him on a crossing route and he actually has a little bit more speed than people get him credit for a similar, similar conversation, kind of like the Drake London stuff, just because he's big does not mean that he's just an X receiver down, uh, downfield threat. No, he is somebody that has a lot of yak potential. And the rest of this wide receiver group is extremely limited with Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce. Uh, the tight ends are, are not a big threat as well. So I think that if, if John, something happens to Jonathan Taylor, how many car- targets is Michael Pittman going to get this year? It would be a ton, a ton. And Alec Pierce, as you mentioned, is the one that's being drafted right now, all the way up as wide receiver 71. Uh, Paris Campbell going undrafted in almost every single league out there right now. It's it's an interesting conversation because this range gets muddy, right? And it's basically like, do you want to prioritize the passing offense with one of the top quarterbacks in the Chargers, even though those two guys in Mike Williams and Keenan we're about to talk about, they go neck and neck? Or do you want to take like the undisputed number one wide receiver out there with Michael Pittman? And I think maybe it all hinges on your belief in Matt Ryan, who last year was getting hit constantly last year in an awful situation behind that offensive line without, you know, Calvin Ridley and had to make Russell Gage into something in a rookie year, Cal Pitts. Um, I think Matt Ryan has a chance to really thrive with Indianapolis Colts. And as you said, Michael Pittman has some really nice body lean, has some really nice movement. It's just we have to move up and jump up that 7.6 targets per game because that's the only reason why he was the wide receiver 25 in points per game last year. And I think we'll get there just based on, you know, a, a coach's trust and belief in his quarterback because as we saw towards the end of last season, the more and more opportunities that Frank Wright gave to Carson Wentz, the more of, oh, that just happened. I can't trust him in the third or fourth quarter anymore. I got to rein things back. And that's the reason why you bring in someone like Matt Ryan. 
yeah, there's basically three ways that you can win with Michael Pittman. He's much better than we think. He, um, Matt Ryan is much better than we think, or Jonathan Taylor misses time. So there's lots of outs and why he is, I think, justifiably a third round pick right now. Okay. So he's the number one wide receiver on his team. Next up, it's the Chargers, which is wide receiver 13 in ADP Mike Williams and wide receiver 12 in Keenan Allen. We have them flipped. Probably doesn't really matter, but maybe it does, Hayden. For we have the to people pick. that are that are sitting there again in the range of both these chargers are on the board. Why might you have someone like Mike Williams ranked over Keenan Allen, who has done it year after year after year? Who's better in best ball? Who's younger? Who just got the bag? To me, this is Mike Williams. He was 33rd in better in best ball points per game last year. I knew that he was awesome the first half and he kind of struggled. In the second half, that's variance. That's just the way that he wins. But the big thing for Mike Williams is uh, he isn't as much of a boom-bust player because his ADOT went from 14.6 to 11.6 because he went into more of that quote-unquote Michael Thomas role, which means that he was getting more targets in general. And at the same time, he was still 10th in total deep targets. So he basically has the best role that you can have uh, in this range. And that's even with Keenan Allen healthy. What happens if older Keenan Allen, who's missed some time, who didn't look as explosive to me on tape last year, what if he takes a step back or misses time? All of a sudden, you're getting Justin Herbert's number one uh, target, and he's a better and best ball candidate to me, Mike Williams, who was like started in like the wide receiver, like 25 range. Uh, I think that he rightfully has uh, basically surpassed Keenan Allen, and he's on that wide receiver two, three turn because of he's a better and best ball type of player. And I want to be betting on uh, both Mike Williams, the talent and Justin Herbert, the talent. I mean, I just remember the start last season, 14 points, 15 points, 26 points, a little downer than a 28 point week. Then it was a bit of a spell, right? A bit of singular point weeks. And we got back with 15, 11, 12 and 17 there with, uh, with Mike Williams. And this not only is about the individual talents, maybe the archetypes that the two wide receivers have, it's also a projection of what the Chargers might do a little bit more this season. And that's allowing Justin Herbert to throw down the field where he's one of the best vertical throwers point blank period. And not just on third downs and get out of jail free cards. It's first and second downs too. It's early down taking advantage of openings that defenses might be trying to give you. And, uh, Hopefully that happens. The quarterback can do it. And then Mike Williams is going to be the, the biggest beneficiary of that. Uh, again, it's, it's I think, tough sledding to project like a decline in Keen Allen's play. I think we have seen it just a little bit. I think but I never I never want to be the person to be like, oh, this guy's 30. It's over um, because the game's a little bit different than it was. I don't know. Ten years ago. Yeah, for sure. And I. Uh, to me, it's just like the, uh, I'm looking at one stat yards per out run. He, it's declined in six straight seasons. It went from 3.9 to 2.5 to 2.3 to 2 to 1.9. Last year is at uh, 1.8. So you're starting to see some of the decline, and that's with better and better quarterback play. So who knows? I, Keenan Allen can still fit into the top five receivers. If something happens to Mike Williams and Justin Herbert's as good as we think, then Keenan Allen can absolutely shred. But I think that if I'm picking between one or the two, I want the ascending player, not the declining player and the player that's the way that he's used is great for best ball. So I'm on team Mike Williams right now. We have a whole conversation on Josh Palmer, a whole clip on the channel. Go and look for that. I just want to conclude this Chargers conversation with him because he's actually my highest player drafted so far on underdog 
with despite a wide receiver 67 ADP because there are two outcomes here that can really hit home for us with Josh Palmer. One, it's if he just claims the wide receiver three job by himself. You know, he split it basically 50-50 or 45-55 with Jalen Guyton last season. And so if he's out there and through wide receiver sets, beautiful. Second, if one of Mike Williams goes down, guess what? He had that role last year in a game that Mike Williams missed as an outside downfield receiver. In the game that Keen Allen missed, Josh Palmer sat in there in the slot and played nearly every single snap in that same exact role. So consider him as wide receiver insurance. He's actually been the biggest ADP mover in the last month and a half since really best ball mania three ADP has settled. I do think it's my fault. It's about like 30 spots overall. And guess what? I'm still drafting Josh Palmer, despite him going in a range of maybe some quote unquote true starters like a DJ Chark out there. Well, let's let's try to lower that ADP out there. Uh, ESPN they listed their like uh, surprise player in in minicamp, and the Chargers reporter picked Jalen Guyton. So mm. we'll see we'll see if that lowers the ADP at all. But I'm with you. This is an uh, uh, upside play based off of insurance. He might be a, a slight loss, big win type of player right now. Okay, so there are the top 14 wide receivers. To me, it's a drastic cliff. And before we jump off of that. Like and subscribe. You've made it an hour in. 60% of you that are watching this video right now are not subscribed. Change that. Bring us into your life, to your fantasy football intake this summer as you prepare for August and September. And again, if you're not drafting right now, how the hell are you spending your summer? Go and download Underdog Fantasy and start drafting. Use promo code the show and we will match your first deposit. Okay. Again, real cliff. The rest of the names have like massive question marks attached to all of them. And it's honestly where you and I have our biggest differences in rankings versus ADP. Um, with that said, let's start off with the people's wide receiver 23 out there, Hayden, because he's our wide receiver 15. That's DK freaking Metcalf. Maybe it's Geno Smith. Maybe it's Drew Locke. Maybe it's Baker Mayfield. Who knows? But at least from my seat, I want to bet on the individual alpha talent in a grouping surrounded by all question marks. And I think all of the pessimism, all of the questions are baked in to where he's going in drafts right now. I think people are underestimating the odds Baker Mayfield lands with the Seahawks. We got Justina Anderson among some other uh, national media members linking these two. To me, the fit makes some sense. If that happens, DK Metcalf is mispriced. If Tyler Lockett misses time and he's getting a little bit older, a little undersized, you don't know how he's going to age. All of a sudden, DK Metcalf's by himself out there. Uh, so to me, this is just like a grown-ass man, and I'm going to close my eyes beyond that. I don't really like this range in general. Like All these names seem very fragile to me. I would rather be scooping up some of the other positions. Now this is when I get into some of the quarterbacks. I don't love DK Metcalf as my wide receiver 15, but I'm looking at the other players. I just don't think <laughs> any of them deserve it. There is yeah. no wide receiver 15 this year. Yeah, maybe we should have that conversation a little bit here because, again, I, I hit – Michael Pittman, Mike Williams, Keen Allen. And after that, I just pulled away and like kept searching down the list. And I was like, does this guy, this guy, really this one? Because you can tough. talk yourself in and out for all of them. And if I have to go down with one ship, it's probably the alpha boy. It's like the big bodied power guy who as a power slot in the red zone can win, who is starting to run whip routes to create separation um, both inside breakers and outside breakers. 
and I think this offense is going to look a little bit different. Like if you went go, if you go back and watch um, when Russell Wilson missed and Geno stepped in, they actually threw the middle of the field. You know, sure the moon balls, the vertical shots, it's going to be a drop off from Russell Wilson down to anyone else. But they can they can give them some of these ISO situations. You know, like this is a top ten, top twelve wide receiver talent out there. And while the consistency might not be there each and every week, while he might not be an 11 target player that we talked about among those top 10s or or top 12s, we're also getting a phenom at wide receiver 23 ADP. We're not necessarily telling you to take him at wide receiver 15. That's just where we think he's going to finish in comparison to his peers. You can get him in, in round five right now. And I think that if if Baker Mayfield signs or, or gets trade traded for, uh, I think that he would go back to like that round three, four turn. So that's kind of the bet I'm making right now. I mean, as your wide receiver three or wide receiver four, heck, and even wide receiver five for some real sickos out there, DK's the uh, DK's the one to to go after. Um, should we also talk about Tyler Lockett in this conversation? He's our wide receiver thirty nine again above ADP, despite being drafted at wide receiver forty five. Uh, what I always think of when dreaming of Tyler Lockett again are those moon balls. It's it was so pic- picturesque, it was so pure with Russ. Um, he's going to have to be more of a traditional wide receiver, but I don't know if like the gap of 22 spots should exist between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So last year, Tyler Lockett's role like really changed. Uh, his ADOT climbed like four or five yards in general. He had, he was up like 16 yards downfield with uh, Russell Wilson. Then that dropped down to about 10 with Geno Smith because Geno Smith, like you said, is more of a, dink and dunk quarterback compared to russell wilson i don't know how to answer this because drew Locke and baker mayfield are both down field targets i don't know if they have better odds than geno smith to win the job uh, i know that tyler lockett's good i also know that he was the perfect fit with russell wilson in particular so i'm a little bit more nervous about tyler lockett's decline than dk metcalf's but at the same time i think that both of them are slightly undervalued because i think that baker mayfield can keep either one of them afloat and there is no other people to throw the ball to in this offense like maybe noah fant uh, but we don't even know if he's going to be playing because they use Will Disley. Uh, the wide receiver three is is 2BD because we don't know uh, if D. Eskridge is serious or not. So I think that Tyler Lockett's going to probably climb a little bit if they can just bring in Baker Mayfield, maybe Jimmy G, maybe some, somebody else who knows. I'm going down our list and I realize that maybe the theme of this next grouping is us believing the public is giving us too much of a discount on bad offenses, you know, teams that they're just down on that they don't want to watch that they're afraid are just going to tank offensively. And that really goes on with our next name. Wide receiver 16 for us is, is Deontay Johnson. He's being drafted as wide receiver 19. I mean, he is this team's ISO wide receiver. He is this team's X wide receiver. And you're going to see some highlights right now on YouTube. And it actually makes Ben Roethlisberger look competent at times looked like a decent quarterback at times. And I think that Deontay was able to do that for him because Ben was not good. He was really bad. And in totality, this offense is going to change a little bit to not more drop back, but at least not have the quickest time to throw quarterback in the league, you know? And I think that's going to benefit Deontay Johnson, someone who really does move really well in isolation in one-on-one coverage. And uh, it's a really fun player to watch. He was the wide receiver four in fantasy usage last year, wide receiver nine per game. We're getting him at a discount, and that's why I've been buying Deontay Johnson, and I'm notoriously not the biggest fan of his game. I can see this going a long way. 
two i can see see this coming two ways either he's better than i think he is downfield and kenny pickett slash mitch trubisky throw the ball downfield more and he has a higher ceiling or uh he gets exposed a little bit as like an underneath guy and that big ben's uh was a perfect quarterback for him i think it's probably gonna be somewhere in the middle and i'll be betting on the player that had wide receiver four usage last year at like what yeah. wide receiver 17 yeah, I mean, only Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, and Cooper Cup have more total targets over the past two seasons. Our buddy Ian pointed that out. And as you outlined, like, there are serious concerns. He's not efficient. He's in a contract year. It kind of feels like beat writers have suggested that the team is going to let him walk. Um, and is he going to dominate like the quick targets on a team that might have fewer quick targets than they've had previously? So it's 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 risky. It's really risky, but all these players are risky and maybe I'm just a fool for believing that the Steelers offense might be just simply more watchable with Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett and like more of an actual unit versus the frustration that I got from Ben. But I think like in both of these opportunities, again, with DK and with Deontay, we're like stepping into the unknown with players that have had either a lot of volume in the past, which can be earned or have shown really well in terms of big plays and, and their archetypes. And I'm okay with that in this range. Like I'm just, I'm okay with taking high end shots. Cause I think both of these names are that. Yeah. I mean, who, who's next DJ Moore, someone like that. And it's like, okay, DJ Moore has the same quarterback question marks, but DJ Moore has never had a season like Deontay Johnson just had. So like, I'm just going to pick Deontay Johnson because of that. Before we get into DJ Moore, let's talk about the rest of the Steelers wide receivers. Um, Wide receiver 49 drafted as that is Chase Claypool. I mean, he scored 13 touchdowns in 17 games. I remember us talking last August and saying it could really go one of two ways with Chase Claypool. Either he remains the number two next to Deontay Johnson, or he emerges into almost that alpha status because he has that body type and that athleticism. And guess which one we got? Um, it almost seems like it's almost gone downhill a little bit for us. Yes for Chase Claypool since his rookie season. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, he was super efficient the first year. And then last year, he was one of the uh, bottom five players in my model and fantasy points over expected. He was not a good fit with Big Ben, just the way that Big Ben was operating. And Chase Claypool has too many drops and kind of been all over the place in every capacity for the Steelers. Um, So, yeah, he has a massive ceiling. If something ever happens to Deontay Johnson, here comes 10 targets out of nowhere. Um, So I think that he has a... pretty good ceiling at his cost but he just has to play better and that rookie year was a very small sample-ish in in hindsight and i I do wonder if i'm starting to overrate chase claypool the player but he's still young uh it's year three and if something ever happens to deontay johnson it would just be him and george pickens and at least chase claypool has been in the league for a little bit yeah and again going from juju who was the clear supposed to be slot on the scene last year to now a team that might not have like a real apparent easily forecasted slot wide receiver. Um, I know a lot of people are projecting Deontay for that role. I think he's their outside guy. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Chase Claypool kind of being a a bigger thing. Yeah. Uh, And I I like that. And actually with Matt Canada, what we know about him with a lot of the motion, a lot of the misdirection, Chase Claypool during his time at Notre Dame was able to take shorter patterns and gain a lot of steam and pick up yards at the catch, almost like AJ Brown, like we just showed earlier um, with his, his days with the Titans. And it was also some handoffs in the red zone and inside the 10-yard line, too. So I think that we might see a bit more of that. Um, anything you want to say about George Pickens, who's the next wide receiver here at wide Dog. receiver 73? Wide receiver 73, are you getting any yeah. towards the end of drafts? Yeah, I'm getting some George Pickens. He's a 
classic X receiver and he has massive ceiling. Like he was supposed to be the best wide receiver in college football. As a true freshman, he was the best uh, freshman. He went to Georgia. He's an absolute dog and he's got a massive ceiling. He can have zero fantasy points this year. That's what you're getting with George Pickens. You also can get one of the best uh, uh, value picks late in the draft because he has a massive ceiling. And both with Claypool and Deontay, you're always going to get, well, he has a lot of drops. I'm okay with like, all of the people I'm drafting with saying like this guy drops the ball, this guy drops the ball because those are the eight or nine plays per game or per season that we focus on. Uh, and it clouds all the positive things that they, that can happen with them. Okay. You spoiled it. Our wide receiver 17 is DJ Moore. three straight 1100 yard seasons. That's some really good receiving production. The downside, the guy just can't find the end zone. Four touchdowns in each of the last two seasons. DJ Moore is so physical, so good after the catch. He needs, though, better quarterback play to really hit this top 20 status on a consistent basis. And I'm nervous that he's not going to get there. He was 105th in better and best ball points per game last year, primarily because of the touchdowns. His usage kind of changed a little bit as well so he just needs better quarterback play he's going to get better quarterback play this year either sam Darnold's going to be healthier or they're going to trade for one of these uh quarterbacks who would be an upgrade over what they were trotting out last year gg Moore is very athletic he has massive big play ability the panthers are just not ready to give him that elite fantasy ceiling quite yet um i'm very curious to see if they bring in jimmy g or that seems somewhat likely and if that happens uh i think that dj Moore is going to be a fine pick in this range. Jimmy G would be perfect for this. Ben McAdoo is a play caller who wants to just get the ball out of his quarterback's hands quickly. Doesn't want this Sam Darnold. I'm going to hold on to the ball for three and a half seconds, try to make something happen, be way too aggressive and throw interceptions down the field. I think DJ would thrive in a situation where Jimmy succeeds over the middle of the field, catching passes into tight quarters and then running after the catch because he's special there. Like that's exactly where his skills translate. And look, it's these inside digs. It's bouncing off tacklers. It's just such a difference for a receiver though, who only has four touchdowns to his name for a season versus one who has like 11, you know, and that sounds again, so simplified, but two guys with 1100 yards are not the same. If one doesn't find the end zone, and again, just their success as a whole, not only as a team of having more opportunities inside the 20, inside the 10, maybe some of those going to Christian McCaffrey when he's available. And then just having DJ Moore see those high value targets makes such a difference. And look, this was last year, again, different play callers, but there were some creativity. We just saw a running back snap, play. you know? We need to see that a little bit more. Come on. That is, that is, I think that's my favorite play is when you have like a linebacker or a safety having to sit and watch a legit wide receiver come running at you with a 10 yard start. Like, good luck. How are you supposed to like, how are you supposed to defend that? I, I pose this question again, once we hit this cliff of around wide receiver 15, who to rank at that spot. Um, and our buddy Jack Miller of ETR said, oh, it's DJ Moore season. And my comment back was, it always feels like it's DJ Moore season and not DJ Moore season at the exact same time because you can see an awesome game. It feels like he impacts it. And then you look at his fantasy points. It's like nine, you know, yeah. and that just feels like the experience. Okay. Uh, there are some other wide receivers in the Panthers being drafted. Robbie Anderson is going as wide receiver 75. Terrace Marshall is going as wide receiver 98. 
Robbie Anderson is a positive regression candidate. I am nervous as hell to say that, but he had the lowest catch rate on deep targets last year, and he was one of the least efficient players in the league. I don't know if that's just because Robbie Anderson is just being Robbie Anderson. I don't know if uh, a quarterback upgrade is just going to make him uh, better this year, but he's being priced very low right now and he's just one of those players that if something ever happened to dj Moore, like robbie anderson would just completely vault up so i think that i'm buying robbie anderson it makes me extremely nervous um i don't think he's gonna get traded at this point um we're way past the june's uh post june one um so i think he's just gonna be out there starting in two wide receiver sets and hopefully we get good robbie anderson who knows yeah when we were positive about joe brady he actually out targeted dj Moore 136 to 118 in 2020, I thought that was the floor in his offense. And then we got last season and it, it totally bottomed out. But again, we're think we're gonna see like a shorter A dot across the board for all of these pass catchers and hopefully just more volume. I don't know if that's gonna equal efficiency, but just more volume and get the ball in these guys' hands and let them win and just try to limit the mistakes at the quarterback position. So Terrace Marshall was the mini camp winner, according well, to he was a ESPN. training camp winner last year, too. And look what we got. Like, I'm I'm a huge Terrace Marshall fan. He was awesome in the slide at LSU. He was awesome out wide. I thought he had an outside chance of leading that team in from among wide receivers and scoring touchdowns. And then like it just bottomed out. But new eyes on him this year in terms of the offensive coordinator. And look, he's he's battling Rashard Higgins as the wide receiver three. He's so, a, he's a slot receiver for sure. If if you can't win that, then we got some we got some problems. Okay. Our wide receiver 18 is actually being drafted by everyone out there as the wide receiver 22, and his name is Allen Robinson. Um, we talked about it. The number one wide receiver on the board is Cooper Cup. His running mate this year is A-Rob. And again, Cup is one of those unique talents where he spends 65% of his time in the slot and dominates there. And a lot of the offense does flow through that. So many other wide receivers we rank among him are the X receivers in their team. That's where, on the backside, Allen Robinson is going to win and thrive and why they paid him so much money in free agency. Yeah, obviously the offense is going to look completely different from Allen Robinson last year. The quarterback plays completely different. In 2020, he caught 63% of his deep ball targets. Last year, it dropped down to 33%. And I think a lot of people were writing off Allen Robinson. I've gone back and watched him a couple of times because we have to keep watching Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney for all these podcasts. And to me, Allen Robinson didn't look that much slower or less explosive or any of that stuff. To me, it was just like the offense was inept. They kept asking him to run like little slant routes and stuff. And that's just not where Allen Robinson wins. He wants to win downfield, intermediate, backside dig, all that fun stuff. And that's what he's going to get. And this offense, we saw what Odell Beckham did. I think that's what you're going to get at least with Allen Robinson. Who knows what would happen if Allen Robinson, uh, where we would be ranking him if, if something happened to Cooper Cup. So, like, to yeah. me, you, you can't be underexposed to Allen Robinson. I don't think that he's fallen off a cliff yet. Reception perception came out, and it was a little bit better than what most people would think. Last year, still an above-average player against press coverage. That's the role that he's going to have to win uh, in L.A., and I think he's going to do it. I was this close to putting him as that wide receiver 15 spot because we've seen the talent in the past, and he's attached to a play caller, a team, a quarterback that we 100% believe in, and he's going right neck and neck with DK Metcalf. And again, these are the running backs going around him. Cam Akers, Brees Hall, Dave Montgomery. I'm really cool taking the wide receiver in that spot. You mentioned Odell Beckham. We'll get to that conversation in just a moment. But when Odell joined the Rams, he had 24 targets inside the red zone, 12 targets inside the 10, and scored eight touchdowns. Like this is the player where you jumble everything up, where you bunch everything up on the front side with Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby and whoever else is again going to be that backside isolator 
and try to win as one-on-one matchup. And Matthew Stafford behind this offensive line is super comfortable and confident to get through his rigs and get to the backside and get to the digs. And that's going to be successful in this format versus a Rob. I just mentioned, by the way, that Odell had 24 red zone targets last year. Do you want to guess how many red zone targets a Rob had last year with the Chicago bears? Maybe like six. <laughs> he had four. Jesus. I mean, that's you can't tough. put up fancy points when you have four red zone targets at the wide receiver position. You simply can't do it. So again, we've talked about so many X wide receivers already on this list. And now we're talking about the one with the Rams. And while it might seem crazy compared to what we just saw this past year and how it hasn't been as good as in the past with Allen Robinson. And that's where he's at wide receiver 22. Hayden and I are four spots ahead at wide receiver 18. Okay. Anything on Van Jefferson? Being drafted wide receiver 65, and obviously Odell is still peeking around the corner, I believe, is wide receiver 88. Yeah, Odell, I mean, he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. I don't think that he's going to be ready until December. He's probably going to link to a team for a playoff run. So I think that Van Jefferson is walking into the same role that he had last year, and I think that he is a totally fine play, especially after you've drafted Matthew Stafford or Justin Herbert to stack him on at the end of it. I think that he is a fine play. It's not too, too out well season. It's none of the other guys, and Odell Beckham, even if the Rams do sign him, he's just not going to play until December, maybe not even until the playoffs. And Odell last year wasn't signed to necessarily play the role he ultimately signed for or played because they wanted Robert Woods to do that. And as soon as they signed Odell, Robert leaves for the entire season, gets injured, tears his knee up. So again, I don't think Odell and necessarily a Rob, if it happens in like the final, I don't know, week 14, 15, 16, 17 is going to be that big of an impact and wouldn't change my rankings. Yeah, totally. Agree. Okay. Big projection for the next one. It's Rashad Bateman for us as a wide receiver 19. Again, this area gets crazy because he's being drafted as wide receiver 25s. The number one issue with Rashad Bateman last year wasn't his individual talent. It was, at least to me, the inconsistency in his targets. And again, I'm going to bring back that Cincinnati Bengals game as an example in week 15. He saw four targets on that opening drive, including his lone touchdown, and then saw one target the rest of the game with Marquise Hollywood Brown out the door. Him being used in unison with Mark Andrews is going to be the core of his passing offense with the Ravens. Yeah, Tyler Huntley just was not able to get the ball to him. And then Marquise Brown was wide receiver 13 in expected fantasy usage last year. So I think that Rashad Bateman has one hell of a, a ceiling. I think that he links up very well with Lamar Jackson. And I want to be drafting Lamar Jackson in fantasy. So that makes me uh, definitely a fan of Rashad Bateman. I've been drafting Rashad Bateman quite a bit at his yep. cost uh, with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, because as you just said, Lamar Jackson is around the 53rd overall player as the quarterback four, and then Rashad Bateman, if I can find this, is being drafted in areas wide receiver 25 with 53 overall. So basically taking them in back-to-back rounds or at the turn makes a, makes a ton of sense. I mean, 13 of his first 14 catches in the league went for first downs. He's such a chain mover. Not too long ago, in fact, two seasons, Lamar Jackson led the league, led the league in touchdown passes. Um, the offense is just going to look better with a, a better offensive line. It did stand out to me how much better Mark Andrews was statistically with Josh Johnson and Tyler Huntley. Um, but look, we all think Lamar is surgical over the middle of the field, precise over the middle of the field. And um, I want to bank on him being good enough to play with other good talents like Rashad Bateman and like Mark Andrews. Pretty easy, pretty simple formula I have going on over here. 
and the backups to Bateman. Devin Duvernay, who I think is a good scheme touch player. He's probably going to be starting in two wide receiver sets. He's not a legit threat to Bateman. And then I think the third receiver right now is James Prochet, who would be in the slot. And then De- Devin Duvernay and Rashad Bateman would be on the outside. And then it's like Tylen Wallace, who has not been good at football since tearing up his knee, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, it's just going to be those two. We'll get Matt Harmon, our buddy, on the show at some point this summer. Matt's a huge Rashad Bateman fan. Um, he has eyeballs. Talk, trying, trying to talk me into ranking him high for another project I have um, I have working on. And again, I think just how his skills line up with Mark Andrews too are, is going to be a really, really fun package because you're going to see a lot of high-low situations where either Mark Andrews is the shorter receiver, Bateman's the one deeper, and then you can switch those as well because both guys can get down the field and work in the intermediate sections too. Um, Prochet is a, a name that a lot of the fans think is going to take that wide receiver three job, but that's... It doesn't that's a matter. Conversation to Wide receiver threes on the Ravens. No bueno. So we just talked about who the people are drafting is like wide receiver 22, wide receiver 25. That means we have to have one of these names dropping. And this is it. Marquise Brown from wide receiver 15. He is our wide receiver 20. Um, I think the Cardinals as a whole not a difficult conversation to have, but they might be a bit of a different offense in the first six weeks of the season versus after that, once DeAndre Hopkins gets back. And I think in a perfect world, they envision Marquise Brown maybe being a better version of Christian Kirk as a vertical slot player. You know, Kirk had 23, 20-plus yard targets last season, um, and Hollywood had 30 by himself and was probably the most inefficient player with those because then they caught five of those deep targets. Yep, bottom five rates on those deep targets, and Christian Kirk was efficient on them as well. To me, I think we're kind of paying for his early season production, and everything that we know about fantasy football is the weeks that really matter are in the playoffs, especially in these best ball tournaments. And I think that that's when you get DeAndre Hopkins back in the mix. I'm worried that we're paying a premium for production in weeks one through six, and you make zero money if you win those weeks. So, um I'm curious to see what they're going to do with Marquise Brown when everyone's back. Because to me, I think that he should be in the Christian Kirk role. Uh, I don't want the 2020 Christian Kirk role where you have an undersized player uh, playing on the outside in this type of offense. AJ Green was just basically down the field on the sideline. You can't have Marquise Brown in that role. It's just not good. No. Now, if our focus should be on the later weeks... Why is DeAndre Hopkins lasting then until wide receiver 36? Part of me wanted to rank him much higher than where he's going. Again, as wide receiver 36, I did a little bit as wide receiver 32, but I almost want to put him in the 20s, Hayden. Again, this is a very different conversation we're going to have for some of these other players like we just talked about with Odell and a few more on this list that are coming back from injuries. He's not. He's going to be sitting at home for the first you know, third of the season, and then he gets back out there and is the go-to player on the outside, on an offense that has a lot of firepower, that has one of the best vertical passers in the league, hence a vertical player in Marquise Brown being drafted as the wide receiver 15. Um, again, with so much summer focus on week 17, I would assume that that would push up New Hopkins even higher than his current ADP, but it hasn't. Yeah, I, I think that some are a little concerned that DeAndre Hopkins isn't going to age as well. We don't know if the beaver tranquilizer is going to make him less efficient this year. Um, who knows? I, I, to me, whenever I'm drafting Kyler Murray, I'm looking to stack him with DeAndre Hopkins and Zach Ertz, fill the tight end position, fill DeAndre Hopkins at a, at a discount, and hopefully that he pops off in week 15, week 16, week 17. I'm with you. He's 56 and better in best ball points per game. So I, I, 
I think that the ADP is appropriate, but I would rather pay that price than the Marquise Brown price. Because, again, if it all works out, and he was playing injured a lot last year, if yes. it all works out, could DeAndre Hopkins, could you envision ranking him as a top 12 wide receiver in yes. weeks 15, 16, and 17? 100%. Yeah. And you're being able to draft him as wide receiver 36. Again, if all the conversation is dominated by late season because that's where the money is right now. It's just something to, I think, consider, especially if you're starting drafts with running backs early, because then he's almost like the alpha type that you're getting at a steep discount for those later on. And then filling in the gaps and filling in the time periods early on the season with some players that we think we're getting values on, I don't know, in rounds 14, 15 and 16. OK, there's one more name that we have to keep talking about here uh, with the Cardinals because the people are forcing us to because they're drafting this wide receiver 55. Uh, you're much lower on him. Not throw you in the bus at wide receiver 72. But that's Rondell Moore. And I think this almost has to go back to where we started this conversation with the Cardinals because if Marquise Brown, in a perfect world, is going to be their slot player and their vertical element there, and you have Zach Ertz somewhat operating in a similar facet, there is no way Rondell Moore is ever going to be an outside wide receiver. So again, after this first six weeks, we think Hollywood is in the slot. Where the heck does Rondell Moore line up, and how the heck does that equal wide receiver 55 scoring? In the playoffs, DeAndre Hopkins was out. The Cardinals are trying to win in the playoffs, right? And Rondell Moore ran around on 46% of dropbacks. Like, he has to change. And, like, it's not even if he was, like, an 80% uh, player, if his if his ADOT is four, how does he even have the spike weeks in the first place? Like, everything about this doesn't make too much sense to me. We talked about in the on-off split show. I, I'm not going to be buying any Rondell Moore. I think that even AJ Green in the very last round, I think that he has some viability. What if it's literally, what if it's the same as it was last year? I know. DeAndre, AJ Green, and then Marquise Brown in the Christian Kirk role. Like, and what if it, that's just like how the offense operates? Like there's, I think it's a 50-50 chance that AJ Green plays more snaps than Rondell Moore this year. I Sue think me. it's... It's also a possibility that they run a bit more two tight end sets too after taking one early in the draft with Zach Ertz and have two wide receiver sets out there. You know, like Rondell Moore has to start playing football. But <laughs> like he had a one point one a dot the wide receiver position. It's I, I don't want to rail on the guy because he really is thick Tavon, but I have to see it to believe it. And if he does, and he shows that during the preseason, like he's out there running nine-yard patterns, seven-yard patterns, legit wide receiver stuff, I will instantly change my tune. But based on what we've seen and how they are speaking to us right now, I can't change that yet. Yeah, it's just I'm he is mind. who he is right now, but players can change. He's a fun player too, man, with the ball in his hands. His ADP is right next to Zach Ertz, and I'm filling the tight end position, and Zach Ertz averaged more, doubled the Rondale Moore fantasy points, and he's playing at the other position. Yeah, they AJ Green, they, they they gave him four million dollars this year again. Like that's, yep, he's under contract. Okay, so we go from wide receiver twenty Marquise Brown to uh, wide receiver twenty one. That is the man who just got paid in Terry McLaurin. Um, you're about to watch all these highlights here on YouTube. Hopefully, you're joining us on the channel. Taylor Heineke's lack of arm really eliminated a bunch of big plays for Terry McLaurin. Too much loft. Too many passes on his inside shoulder that brought him closer and closer to defensive backs. I mean, this is why, Hayden, Terry McLaurin led the NFL in contest targets with 47. He wasn't even close to that 
in his previous two years, it's because he was getting open, but his quarterback who didn't have an arm, who could just run around and scramble and try to buy some time. Look at that. Would put him into the defensive back. Carson Wentz ain't good, but Carson Wentz might be better than this. Remember when people were saying that Taylor Heineke was fun? Remember those conversations well, last yeah, year? No, that was I me. Want, I, that I was want... me granted. He was fun. He was fun. No, he, he just doesn't have an arm, and it got him into a whole bunch of trouble. He's not fun if you were drafting uh, Terry McLaurin last year. I'll tell you that. Uh, I'm with you, though. I think that an upgrade, I think Carson Wentz is a little bit of an upgrade. At least he's going to be trying to throw the ball downfield. And Terry McLaurin was second in deep targets last year. So the contested catch rate, the way that he wins is perfect for this format. It's just you're dealing with a little bit of Carson Wentz. So I think that he's always going to have uh, some more potential than we're ever going to realize. But uh, like Reception Perception said, Terry McLaurin is an absolute superstar. Uh, he's, he's just his fantasy numbers are never going to be at that level just because quarterback play. Um, but I'm expecting better things this year. And he was already 67th uh, per game last year. And I think that we're going to get he'll, he'll be like a solid wide receiver, too. Now, granted, they have continued to invest in this position. It's not just him like we have seen with other, you know, wide receivers attached to bad quarterbacks or, or bad offenses. You know, Jahan Dotson, they spent a first round pick on. He's going as wide receiver 63. Curtis Samuel's going as wide receiver 78. I want to rewind all of these highlights, though, because I typically hate blaming quarterbacks for like, oh, this wide receiver didn't get there because of the person he's attached to. It's a fact. In this case, look at all of this. There's not a a cornerback five yards around him and he throws it, lofts it up, no touch, no presence and boom, contested target. This he's laid on the throw, closing defensive backs, guys who runs four, four, boom, contested target. Look back shoulder contested. Nothing, nothing was on time. Nothing was good placement. And yet Terry McLaurin is still producing Again, I just wish it was a better option. But again, almost like the Bengals offensive line going from awful to average, that might be a little bit of the boost. And this is a very, very much pro Scott Turner show. And I think Scott will continue to put this offense in a position to succeed. Is there any other commander wide receivers that you have any interest in? Like the Curtis Samuel stuff, I can't get on board. Jahan Dotson, he got the draft capital, but... I have a little bit of Jahan Dotson. I mean, in comparison to all of the top prospects at wide receiver and they are being drafted like chris alave is going as wide receiver 48 sky moore is going as wide receiver 46 um Traylon burks wide receiver 41 like Jahan dotson is going way 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 after that as wide receiver 63 it's funny because he played with awful quarterbacks at penn state too that yes. he had to adjust to a lot of off target off platform throws that extending his body and making himself big almost like terry has to do and I, I would bank on him being the slot wide receiver in this group because he really succeeds in the trash and in the muck. Um, I could see him ending this year with four or five touchdowns because he's really good in the red zone situations. All right. Fair enough. And it hurts. It pains me. But um, Curtis Samuel, wide receiver 78. I, I'm still not drafting him in that spot, despite how much I was in last time. I just can't do it. If it was a different quarterback, I could. But I just can't do it right now. Okay. This might shock people, but our wide receiver 22 is Gabriel Davis. Uh, I'm not sure at the start of this exercise, Hayden, if I would have said that you and I would be ahead of ADP on Gabriel Davis. And if you would allow me, I almost want to paint the picture. Why? Because it's not necessarily statistical. It's almost narrative based, right? Like we've talked prior to last season 
that based on where Gabriel Davis ended 2020, when asked to fill in for John Brown at the end of the regular season in the playoffs, it did not go well. He had an abysmal catch rate of like less than 50%. And the Bills viewed him as a part-time player and he was better in that role. And that's why, again, in the playoffs, he played behind John Brown. And that's why they prioritized Emmanuel Sanders last offseason. I mean, then he was still a part-time player, did pretty well, all the way up until week 14. That's when he finally hit 60% of the snaps. And so while he only has about 600 yards as his best season, He's no longer a part-time player and it's us trusting the bills and us reading the tea leaves. They have not tried to add another outside wide receiver. They are making no effort to find this year's Emmanuel Sanders. This year's John Brown. They know Gabriel Davis is ready. So that means I know Gabriel Davis is ready. And so the runway is clear to be a big time player in this offense. Jameson Crowder, uh, Isaiah McKenzie, Khalil Shakur. They do not operate in any capacity in the same way that Gabe Davis uh, plays that and he's going to be in two wide receiver sets in the five games last year when he played with either Emmanuel Sanders or Cole Beasley out he averaged 11.9 expected half PPR points that would have made him the wide receiver 17 so we're talking about wide receiver two usage and you're getting that in this offense uh, and that's with Steph Diggs being healthy um, so the Bills threw the ball to their wide receivers more than anybody in the league last year I think that that could regress a little bit and Gabe Davis could still be a superstar um, I think that he brings this team a downfield presence, a broken play presence in Josh Allen. That's exactly how he wins. He wants to throw the ball to someone that is built like Gabe Davis, and he's going to have the opportunity for the first time to do it. So I don't think he's going to be the most efficient player. Um, I think there's some weaknesses to his game, but who cares? You got Josh Allen as your quarterback in this offense. If you're the number two receiver, you're going to be a dog. Cole Beasley was a dog uh, for a little bit. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders had some spike weeks. Uh, if Gabe Davis can just be as good as those two were in their late stage career, Gabe Davis is going to beat his ADP. So I'm I'm very confident in his price tag right now. He's being steamed up a lot, about like 12 to 15 spots in the last, I don't know, month, month and a half. There's multiple reasons for that. One, the bill stack, like getting Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs on the same team is really, really difficult. And so a lot of people are trying to, you know, pair Josh Allen with Gabe Davis or Josh Allen and and Dawson Knox. Um, two, it's also the week 17 correlation. That's a big part of it. And that's a reason why he's getting the boost. My question to you, because we're still in on the boost. Again, we're two spots over wide receiver ADP on Gabriel Davis right now. Would it be absolutely insane in this weird, murky territory of wide receiver 15 and beyond to rank him as the wide receiver 15? That'd be pretty aggressive. I mean, but to me, this is like the same tier. So I know you can pick your pick your battles. I like Gabe Davis, uh, Josh Allen, and Dawson Knox on the same exact team uh, as well. I'm not going to be betting against the Bills. So yeah, again, I'm I'm trusting Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott on their player evaluations right now, and it, I do think we read it correctly last year. Despite he went going to the moon last year and Gabriel Davis towards the end of last season, because we were able to get a great feel of how Emmanuel Sanders was going to be used and how Colby's was going to be used, but them just adding Khalil Shakur as like the backup outside wide receiver in the fifth round. Um, it's Gabe Davis time. It really is. And he's not a perfect wide receiver, but man, does he fit perfectly where Josh Allen likes to target and that's down the field. Okay. Anything you want to say about the, the two slot receivers that are competing? It's yes. Jameson Crowder is wide receiver 61. And then all the way down to undrafted territory, like 212, it's Isaiah McKenzie. If you read the reports, 
it's Isaiah McKenzie's in the slight lead, and it's basically considered a toss-up. That's ESPN, The Athletic, whatever Bill's newspaper you want to read. It is a true toss-up, and Jameson Crowder goes in the 12th round, and Isaiah McKenzie goes undrafted. If you're not drafting Isaiah McKenzie right now, you do not understand game theory. You're not reading the reports. You're not uh, trying to correlate enough. Isaiah McKenzie should should get drafted, like period. I like that. And hey, if you want to split your exposure to both, go for it. Do you think you're having to pay a little bit for Jamison Crowder right now when compared to the reports, it's not even a full-time player? And Jamison Crowder's done in the past. I'm, I'm a big fan of him. But Isaiah McKenzie... That game against Buffalo, I will Jeez. never, or excuse me, New England, I will never get it out of my head. Uh, just those over routes, those crossing routes, those drag routes over the middle of the field and just lofted passes, torched, torched that Patriots defense. Tough to do. And uh, he did it. Again, would have been a big difference. Like if he got paid $4 million a year or $6 million a year, we'd be all in on Isaiah McKenzie, but he got paid like a special teamer almost. So, but so did Jameson Crowder. They both making $2 million. So right. we sh- there's no reason to think like James or Jameson Crowder is like well ahead of Isaiah McKenzie, but that's how uh, it is in ADP. And I don't think that's completely accurate. I think I have like basically back to back in my rankings. Again, how rankings work. If we have players above ADP, that means you have to have players below ADP. And next up, that's uh, Jalen Waddle for us. We talked about Tyree Kill. We know Jalen Waddle is being drafted as the wide receiver 16. For us, he's the wide receiver 23. Um, what's pretty amazing to me, and again, I outlined this a little bit with Tyreek, for his time at Alabama when he was such a special talent in terms of big plays, not just with the ball in his hands, but also getting down the field. As you know, I love to say it, he just moves differently. He only had seven games as a rookie where one of his receptions went over 20 yards. Like there's a little bit of an anchor to this offense and we'll keep saying it until proven incorrect, but that was his quarterback. It was the quarterback play and it's Tua, and just again, where he's comfortable throwing the football, it was a ton of volume and a ton of outside breaking routes and a ton of RPOs and slants. But now those get divvied up because Tyree kill is a very different player than Devonte Parker or Mike Gesicki was last year. With Devontae Parker, he averaged 10.4 half PPR points. So that's, I'm nervous that there's just not enough balls to go around in this offense. Could be limited in some capacity by the coaching staff, the quarterback, whatever you want to call it. I love Jalen Waddle, the player. Don't love him in fantasy right now. It pains me. It pains me. I'm such a huge Jalen Waddle fan. I think there's so much talent there in a few years, in a different situation. We are going to probably view him in a different light. But right now, I can't do it. Um, I have a question for you, and this probably isn't the right platform for it, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, We had pre-free agency and pre-draft best ball over on underdog. Like prior to Tyreek Hill being traded to the Miami Dolphins, Tyreek Hill was going, I believe, as a top 12 wide receiver. That ADP almost carries its way throughout the entire offseason, right? Like it starts there and then it's shifted all the way up, moving someplace up and down. But how much can you truly move down a player in drafts over a four-month, five-month period of time that was, again, being drafted as like the wide receiver 10 in Jalen Waddle pre-Tyreek to now being drafted as the wide receiver 16? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's almost impossible for him to, to bottom out in drafts when people draft so closely to ADP to get to where our ranking is at wide receiver 23. And the people like uh, young wide receivers on underdog, especially. So they're always just going to be high on Jalen Waddle. But I, I agree. There's like an anchor effect. Yeah. 
it's a, I just want to see more opportunities of him, like putting his head down and striding out. It was a staple of his time at Alabama. Wasn't a staple of his time too often. Here it is. Puts his head down and he goes, he goes (sighs) again. How can it fail when you have an offense that is Mike McDaniel plus Tyreek Hill plus Jalen Waddle. And as much as I keep telling myself that in the mirror every single night, I have legit concerns every single time that I think about it. That is just not going to be enough to go around in the same special way that great offenses out there support two wide receivers. For us, at the very least, it might work successfully on an NFL field. But for us, for fantasy football-wise, I don't know if it's going to be able to support two top, top 16 wide receivers. Um, I got news. We have... 20 minutes before I have a meeting. So we, and we got a bunch of teams left. Let's rapid fire this wide receiver 24, Brandon cooks. Nico Collins is also being drafted as wide receiver 85. John Mechie being drafted at wide receiver 84. Um, there is some cohesion. Now we've seen Brandon cooks with his quarterback in Davis mills. Um, obviously you have pep Hamilton there, and this is going to be the core of their passing game. And hopefully they have a bit of a better offensive line in comparison to last year, you know, Larry McTunzel plus obviously taking a first year, into your offensive lineman, Kenyon Green, and having Titus Howard at right tackle. The offense will just be a little bit better. It's not going to be good, but it'll be better than last year. And last year, Brandon Cooks was 53rd overall in better and best ball points per game. His ADP is slightly after that. I have been drafting some Brandon Cooks. Um, Nico Collins is still the, uh, in two wide receiver sets. He's being drafted after John Mechie, who I think is going to start the year on the pup list. You and I have both thought that John Mechie might be best uh, in the slot. I think that Nico Collins is a, is a good late round dart throw uh, this is one of those games where it's Jaguars versus Texans, so nobody's in a rush to stack this. And I think that there's a little bit of element of these players being slightly undervalued. And you're not Brandon Cook's not going to win you your league, but I think in like this fifth, sixth round, I think that he's a total, totally rock solid pick. Yeah, Nico's one of my favorite late round wide receiver selections. One ninety four overall ADP, outside wide receiver, athletic, can get down the field. We just need like three usable weeks from that, and uh, yep. maybe we get more. Okay. Let's have the Broncos wide receiver discussion. It's a big one because Cortland Sutton is being drafted as wide receiver 17. Jerry Judy is being drafted as wide receiver 20. We have Cortland Sutton as wide receiver 25 and Jerry Judy is our wide receiver 28. Probably where we disagree the most with the public. Uh, We talked about this with Russell Wilson. We have a whole clip on it on the channel, but it's a projection to even know when all three wide receivers are out there how they are going to be used. And the last time that we saw it, it was Sutton with 88% of the snaps on the outside, Tim Patrick, 72% of the snaps on the outside. And that leaves Jerry Judy with 74% of his snaps from the slot. So how do we take that? How do we compartmentalize that? And how do we draft it moving forward? So we know that this Russell Wilson can have two wide receivers, but when he had those two wide receivers, there was no wide receiver three that really existed. I think that Tim Patrick can actually play. I watched a bunch of these games today and Tim Patrick is that big wide receiver that you just kind of envision in two wide receiver sets. And it was Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton in two wide receiver sets over Jerry Judy last year when all three of them were on the field. I'm waiting for the preseason and the training camp reports. I need Jerry Judy to be playing in two wide receiver sets for me to take him serious as like an upside wide receiver two candidate. I think that Jerry Judy has some upside, but there are some size physicality limitations with him. He also is a very much an overseller on the routes the same way as that we're talking about with Garrett Wilson. He, based on my eye test, I think that he probably fell in, in his routes more than any wide receiver in the league. That gives him more of a boom bust type of, 
uh, profile here. But at the same exact time, when there was uh, all three of them were on the field together, Jerry Judy had 41 targets compared to 27 for Corlin Sutton and 25 for Tim Patrick. So to me, this is a two wide receiver sets versus three wide receiver sets uh, debate. I think Cortland Sutton has by far the, the highest floor because I know he's going to be out there in both of them. I've seen Cortland Sutton dominate. I think that Cortland Sutton downfield is going to mesh very well with Russell Wilson. I'm a little more skeptical of Jerry Judy, but I will make the argument that Jerry Judy still might have the highest ceiling just because he was a top, what, 15 overall pick. And you can kind of see if his game uh, evolves a little bit, the ceiling that he could possibly have. The Russell Wilson offense travels with him. You know, it's far less in the middle of the field versus the Aaron Rodgers stuff that we saw in Green Bay that actually Peter Bukowski pointed out that he believes Nathaniel Hackett was the reason why Aaron Rodgers started trusting the middle of the field more. Uh, It's just never been a part of Russell Wilson's game, period. Now, when Jerry Judy lines up in the slot, sometimes he has a lot of breaking routes that don't go inside that actually then go outside the numbers and then kind of turns into a level situation. To your point, Cortland Sutton is the one I want to invest in as the wide receiver 17 that is so freaking rich though so rich and they just keep going up and up and up even more and a lot of it is the week 17 stuff um and that's why the one i i fall back on more than any other is is tim patrick as wide receiver 56 like at cost that's the one i'm ending up with the most and it hurts uh i'm excited for the broncos i think russell wilson can still do it even though his game is going to slightly differ but they are all being drafted as if they're all going to hit right now, at least the first two in Judy and Cortland Sutton. And I don't think that that's the case. I think one is going to miss. Yeah. Uh, Cortland Sutton, 30% of his targets were 20 yards downfield, only 13% for Jerry Judy. And obviously Russell Wilson is a deep ball thrower and Cortland Sutton was below average on those deep balls last year. We know DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett have been above average every single season. Russell Wilson's been above average every single season. I think Cortland Sutton's a good player. The other thing is Cortland Sutton was coming off a torn ACL. Uh, yeah. I, apparently he Knee looks better in pants. Yep. Yeah. And there's, I remember we were pulling up the footage from last time. We we're like, man, this, does Cortland Sutton look right when he's running? Um, so I think he's going to be healthier and that make, to make matters even more complicated is last year, Jerry Judy is playing through a high ankle sprain. So like yeah. how you weigh all these things is super complicated to me. I'm definitely lower on Jerry Judy compared to the market. I think I'm somewhat fine with Cortland Sutton, but like you said, the week 17 correlations kind of vaulted up the price tag a little bit where I'm basically only drafting Cortland Sutton in these Chiefs Broncos stacks, and I just can't pull the trigger on Jerry Judy until I see him in two wide receiver sets. And the other part of this is they're going about three spots after someone like James Conner, who we had monologues about that he might be like the best running back value now at the end of the third round. And so it's like that round three, round four turn for both. Um, Okay. One player that you have way higher than ADP is is Amari Cooper. Um, I mean, he's being drafted right now as wide receiver 30, and you have him as wide receiver 23. Your thoughts? I don't have – like this is just like a, the same tier uh, situation. I think Amari Cooper, we've kind of – like we're overthinking with Amari Cooper. He's still very good. He was playing through lots of injuries last year, and he was 55th in veteran best ball points last year. I don't, I don't love Amari Cooper – Right now, this is just the kind of the same tier situation. Um, and there's no target competition out there. You know, it's David Njoku, who's their number two. Donovan Peoples-Jones, I don't think that he's very good. You can't really sell me on rookie David Bell either. I think he's going to go out there, and he's going to be heavily re- relied upon with Jacoby Brissett throwing the ball. And Jacoby Brissett's not good, but that means that they're probably going to be chasing some points at some parts of the season. I think that Amari Cooper, I don't see how he's not like a, a wide receiver three this year. 
Okay. Wide receiver 27 for us is Juju Smith-Schuster. That's right in line with ADP. Let's expand this conversation to the other Chiefs wide receivers. Um, Because MVS, we have him five spots above his ADP still. Wide receiver 42. And that means we're five spots lower on ADP than Sky Moore, who's being drafted as wide receiver 46. And that means for us, he's our 51st ranked player. Um, Let's start with Juju, okay? At least, again, how I envision this Chiefs offense is if we're talking about quote-unquote X, the go-to wide receiver, the ISO wide receiver, is actually Travis Kelsey. Like, it's all going to be built around him. Then bring in Juju to help with the too-high-shell stuff, the the over-the-middle-of-the-field, the shorter receptions, and then MVS to take a hold of those deeper targets that even though Patrick Mahomes had his lowest in terms of attempts percentage of 20-plus yards last year, he was still seventh in the league. So that's still a very important area for him. And MVS is really, truly the only proven player on that team that has the ability to win down the field. Yeah, you nailed it. I don't disagree uh, in any capacity there. I think that Juju's probably going to lead the wide receiver group in targets, and then MVS is going to lead the wide receiver group in air yards. Uh, 43% of MVS's targets last year were 20-plus air yards downfield. Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman, and Sky Moore are not going to be running those type of routes. That's why I think the MVS is actually a relatively safe player because I think that his role is definitely um, locked in, especially with how much money they gave MVS versus Juju. We're talking about like like five, ten times more money to uh, going to MVS's way, and he goes much later. So MVS is the one I'm drafting the most. He's actually my second highest exposed player at wide receiver, only behind Julio Jones. I think that he's better than when we're expecting. What if, what if in a new offense, MVS gets a few more of those regular routes? You know, if he gets a couple more targets in this offense when there's less screens like compared to the Devontae Adams stuff that you're talking about and that maybe MVS gets a few more eight yard targets uh, in this offense. I think that it's a a untapped ceiling here with MVS and he'll never get steamed up too much because everyone thinks MVS sucks. Yeah. And while their ADPs were very different and MVS has moved about 10 spots in the last month up and Sky Moore's moved about 12 spots down. Um, now they're back back to back. Um, why? I wanted to ask this question. Why do you think Sky Moore, which is a complete mystery box, someone that we love coming out of you know Western Michigan, but the NFL didn't love nearly as much as us or other online evaluators? Why do you think he is being drafted ahead of someone like MVS? Is it is it again the belief that we are better evaluators that we see someone that can be a Golden Tate Curtis Samuel like player that is a lack of a better term mystery versus someone who has negative connotations to his name drops to his name, just high variance to his name, like MBS. If you're playing best ball, that's a pretty damn good thing to have. To me, this, the sky Moore stuff is just, there was a big community for pre-draft. Uh, he gets like relatively good draft capital, but I, I'm starting to think like it, he was like the wide receiver 13 in his draft class. The w- entire wide receiver position is priced up in the actual NFL draft. So like, Hey, he went 58th overall or whatever it was seems pretty good. But like reality is like, the wide receiver 13 in a draft class is typically not very good wide receiver. I think it's just like the mystery box. Like what if Sky Moore is just this legend? Uh, how I think it's going to happen is Sky Moore and McCole Hardman are going to be battling for that number three spots. And who knows who's going to win that? I think that Sky Moore is going to be a post by rookie bump candidate. Um, I just don't understand why he's going ahead of MVS who got $30 million this year. You know? Yep. Right there with you. Uh, we're going to spend any moments with Michael Hardman. Let's just move on. Okay. Uh, our wide receiver 29 
Drake London. He's being Dog. drafted six spots later as the wide receiver 35. Look, I totally get it. The Falcons sucked. Their offensive line was awful. Matt Ryan couldn't operate behind it, made very few players fantasy relevant last year. They didn't improve the offensive line. They dropped down a peg from you know Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota. Um, but damn, do I love Kyle Pitts. And man, am I ending up with a whole bunch of Drake London based on where he's going. Because in that range of Michael Thomas, Adam Thielen, Devontae Smith, he keeps moving up just a little bit because um, Elijah Moore was in that same range too. I just keep peppering Drake London because he, to me, has all the components of being like the lead yardage getter on his team, even though he is associated with Cal Pitts. He's incredible. Like he's good down the field. He is good in the screen game. He's going to have to be used in both capacities for the Falcons. They have nobody else to throw the ball to outside of Kyle Pitts. And if you want more, including some of the film, go to our uh, dynasty ranking show. Uh, and I had him ranked number one overall ahead of all the other running backs and all that stuff. I, nobody's higher uh, than me on Drake London. I think part of it, and we've seen a pretty big shift in Drake London where he's going in drafts versus Traylon Burks where he's going. It's almost your pre-draft belief in both. Um, Man, I'm a glad lot of, I was ranking Drake London ahead of Traylon Burks right now. Because a, a lot of people love Traylon Burks for some pretty good reasons as the wide receiver one. Um, but then the people that had firm backing and belief in Drake London is not just a contested catch wide receiver on the outside, but also someone that early in his career with the Trojans lined up a ton in the slot, a ton in bunch formations, and was able to win in that area of the field and you know, quicker footwork and creating separation. Um, he's done everything, man. And just how they're going to be able to use the two components of him and Kyle Pitts in unison together is uh, is going to be really intriguing. Uh, the question is obviously, how good is the quarterback play going to be in order for them to be effective? And I think that's a very fair question. Um, and especially because we don't know that much about Arthur Smith as a head coach yet based on last season. So. Yeah, the way he wins, he's kind of quarterback proof because he's six foot four, two twenty five, or whatever the hell he is, and he was leading the all of college football on screens because he's so fluid. So I don't know how how this fails. Um, and I'll throw out once again because we have to say it every single show. Arthur Smith during his time with the Titans was top three, if not top one, every single year in red zone touchdown rate. The Falcons were abysmal the last few years. It wasn't great last year, and hopefully the offensive line just as a whole improves. But uh, I expect him to at least be top 12, top 15 in that area. We can hope. And those are the two main players for it. Okay. I wish you the best. <laughs> we have a whole video on Amon Ross St. Brown. He's our wide receiver 30. Uh, if you also want to have conversations about Jameson Williams, it's wide receiver 59. DJ Chark as wide receiver 68. Again, the big corner that Amon Ross St. Brown was able to turn was when Dan Campbell and the new OC were taking over their play calling and they're like, we're going to implement ASB as a full-time player. And that turned into Cooper cup, Robert Woods esque usage. Um, it was also surrounded by bad wide receivers, an injured TJ Hawkinson as well. So the whole question is, well, at full strength, what is Amon Ross St. Brown going to look like? And can it match what we saw at the end of last season? Only 7% of his targets traveled 20 yards downfield. So he's going to be a player that needs a lots of volume. And when you add more target competition, things get pretty tricky. I think uh, Monroe uh, St. Brown is, is very good. Um, I think his price tag's fair. Like we're, we're 
kind of pricing down the target competition. I think that's he's goes in a fine range. How are you viewing Jamison Williams? Wide receiver 59. That's again in the range of like Jarvis Landry and Miko Hardman. It feels like it's way too early to know anything about his schedule to return. But again, if there's like upside cases that you want to make for week 10 and beyond mattering the most or week 15 and beyond mattering the most, this is a player that can give you some spiked weeks, high value weeks um, because of just where his skill sets match up. I think his ADP is going to drop. I think it's, People aren't pricing in how likely he is to start the season on the pup list and possibly even wait until mid-October, early November to return. He tore his ACL late in the college football season. I think that that hasn't been totally priced in yet. Jameson Williams is an absolute stud when he's healthy, but he might need a year to fully develop. And the Lions, they're not competing for Super Bowl this year. They should be taking their time with Jameson Williams, and that's what everybody that's covering the team keeps saying. So I think that his ADP is going to drop a little bit. Our wide receiver 31 is Darnell Mooney. Also on that team is Byron Pringle, who's the next wide receiver drafted at uh, wide receiver 79. I think you and I are in agreement on the individual player that Darnell Mooney is in that he'd be better as a number two option because he's better on like manufactured touches and shorter receptions. He can also get down the field really well as, as a vertical player. But among all of the supreme, the premier talents that we've talked about so far in the show his profile just doesn't quite match up to that. And it's in an offense that we put in the, the hell tier. Right. But there's zero target competition. That's why I'm actually high on Darnell Mooney. He played five games last year without Allen Robinson in those games. He averaged 11.7 half PPR points on 12.9 expected half PPR points. That would have made him the wide receiver 27 and wide receiver 11. He gets drafted after that. Currently uh, he just has to mesh better with Justin Fields. Who's a big game hunter and Darnell Mooney kind of needs some schemed up touches. So I'm hoping that the new offensive coordinator, the new play caller dials up a few more of those. But Darnell Mooney at the same time was six and deep ball receptions too. So he has boom bust. He's kind of gives you everything for, for best ball. I think he's going to be a better and best ball type of player this year. Um, but I think the price tag is totally justified right now. Okay. Uh, Adam Thielen is up next with KJ Osborne. Thielen we have as wide receiver 34. KJ Osborne is wide receiver 69. I'm going to say something... That might get me in trouble, but I think a lot of people look at Adam Thielen and see that he's white and say, oh, he's a slot receiver. Whereas last year he lined up on the outside 74% of the time. Um, so again, our conversation earlier on um, of who's going to fulfill the quote unquote Cooper Cup role. Justin Jefferson has basically said, oh, that's probably going to be me, 65% slot. So again, Adam Thielen, two wide receiver sets. He's going to be out there, three wide receiver sets. He's an outside wide receiver aging, but you're getting some great value here for a team that we believe now is quote unquote pass first. He was 35th overall, not a wide receiver fit 35th, 35th overall and better in best ball points per game last year. Like, and that was like over like what nine games he scored a billion touchdowns. Like he always does because Adam Thielen's good. Kirk cousins is good at creating fantasy points. And I think that he's undervalued. Uh, I like doing the Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne together, just in mm. case that something happened to Justin Jefferson, those two are going to be, paired together or Justin Jefferson plus KG Osborne. I think that KG Osborne has a chance to play in more uh, three wide receiver sets because the offense is going to have more three wide receiver sets. And he's good enough to be playing in two wide receiver sets. We saw the on off splits with them last year. So KG Osborne, I have him even ahead of Van Jefferson, Josh Palmer, similar wide receiver threes. Whoa. I think, I think that he's uh, a tier below Tyler Boyd in that conversation, but I think KG Osborne's a pretty good player uh, in his own right. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Josh Palmer over KJ Osborne each time. Osborne's the one who's going to maybe have to play out of position. You know, he's the one who spent about 50% of his snaps in the slot last year. And if, again, we expect Justin Jefferson to see more of that opportunity, we're going to see KJ Osborne play more on, on the outside. But I like that. I mean, they all kind of fulfill a certain similar type of element on, on their offense. I, I do have some KJ Osborne if Joshua Palmer is gone. Okay, so we've already talked about Elijah Moore as the wide receiver 35. We've already talked about Michael Thomas as the wide receiver 36. One was on our year two breakout show. One was on the face planner show. Go and watch those or listen to them if you want to. Do you want to talk about any of those other wide receivers on those teams before we move on? Which team? Sorry, I was writing something. Jets, Jets and Saints. Um, Saints, Michael Thomas isn't practicing yet. I don't know what to think about him. I think that he would be the number one if he's healthy. I don't, I'm not confident that he is healthy. Uh, Jarvis Landry's been like the training camp or, or mini camp stud over there. Chris Olave fits with Jameson pretty well as a better and best ball candidate with the Jets. I like all of their skill position players individually as a group. I watched more Zach Wilson. I'm going to keep my thoughts to myself when it comes to that evaluation. It makes it very difficult because I love Elijah Moore, but we have to make sure that he's playing in two wide receiver sets. That's the last thing. Like the, the worst case scenario is that Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis are, are outside receivers prototypically. And then Elijah Moore's like rotating in with freaking like Braxton Berrios or something crappy like that. So I'm a, I'm a little nervous about Elijah Moore, not because of him, but because of everything else around him. Okay. I wanted to move on to our wide receiver 37 because he is actually my player that I've drafted the most an underdog. And that's Russell Gage. Um, we actually have him one spot in our rankings ahead of Chris Godwin, who's being drafted as the wide receiver 29. Yeah, we are. And you can blame me for it way ahead of ADP on, uh, on Russell Gage. At least I am. And it's because Hayden, let me start by saying Gage is like legit good at football in my eyes. Like it's crazy considering he was a special teamer from LSU. He is this type of player who's able to split between outside and inside 55% to 45%. Um, during the Tom Brady tenure in Tampa Bay, Bucks wide receivers ranked fifth in total targets and third in routes over the last two seasons. We have no clue when Chris Godwin is going to come back to this team. Heck, if they start off like 11 and one, Chris Godwin might not come back until he's like completely 100% healthy. You know, we have no idea. It sounded like Russell Gage was a priority player for this team. And so while we love Mike Evans as I, what a top eight wide receiver, a top seven wide receiver. Um, I don't know why you might not be in the same book as me as Russell Gage in the spot because his Julian Edelman esque skill set could fit really well with where we've seen Tom Brady have production in the past. I mean, I think I'm still ahead of the market on Russell Gage. I like Tom Brady. I'm going to be drafting some Russell Gage this year. Like you said, the Chris Godwin stuff, I can't find a good answer either way. Chris Godwin thinks he's ready. Some of the doctors think that he might uh, need until October. I know he tore his ACL and MCL. It's multi-ligament tearing that happened late in the season. I have no idea if the Bucks feel confident enough in their team where they can play it slow with him. Russell Gage, uh, his fantasy stock will be dependent on where Chris Godwin is health-wise and when Gronk, uh, may or may not be returning as well. But in the meantime, I'm drafting some Russell Gage. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm drafting a ton of it. I have like 54% Russell Gage right now. I don't Banana land. Well, look, it's also a team that probably will run fewer multiple tight end sets without OJ Howard and Rob Gronkowski on the field, right? They're going to live in three wide receiver sets. 
And at the very least, at the start of the season, your two wide receiver sets are Mike Evans and Russell Gage. And when you move over into three, when you have three trusted pass catching weapons out there, then he's out there too in that group. And again, he succeeded on the outside. He succeeded on the inside. It's short to intermediate game. And he's done great in it. Like part of me thinks because Russell Gage doesn't have years and years and years and his best year last year wasn't even like fantastic in comparison to a bunch of these names. People just don't believe in Russell Gage, the individual talent, because they probably haven't even gone back and watched his YouTube highlights. The dude can play. And now he's attached to legit the quarterback three from last season, who we think is maybe the most undervalued quarterback in fantasy football right now on a team that is going to throw the ball at a really, really stinking high rate. I love it. Draft all three of them. Draft Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Russell Gage. Smart. Okay. Christian Kirk is our wide receiver 40. Um, Marvin Jones is still being drafted as the wide receiver 72. Uh, I think Christian Kirk's going to play the exact same role that he succeeded in with the Arizona Cardinals as that vertical slot player. It's so clear that this team sat down, watched last year's film, and said, hey, we're just going to overpay for some explosiveness, some juice, and one of those is making Christian Kirk one of the highest paid wide receivers in the league. John Shipley hopped on a good football show. If you guys have never heard of that show. And uh, he said that the uh, Jaguars views Russell Gage as a vertical slot player. And that's exactly where Trevor Lawrence likes to throw the ball. He's an aggressive thrower. We'll oh, yeah. let his uh, receivers go make some plays. I think that Christian Kirk is an excellent pick. I love Christian Kirk plus Trevor Lawrence as a, a cheaper stack. Uh, Shipley also mentioned that he thinks that Marvin Jones is going to be uh second in targets uh still it'll be zay jones as the number three receiver the number two receiver on the outside christian kirk leading the team in targets marvin jones is that boom bust type of player on the outside then evan ingram filling in with the rest of it i like christian kirk's cost uh, especially because i know i can get trevor lawrence a couple picks later i'm ending up with a bunch of trevor lawrence's quarterback 18 (laughs) he's an easy one to stack with because no one really drafts him with christian kirk or him with evan ingram no one or wants Texans. pieces of this other or than right. No one wants pieces of this unless it's a uh, Travis ETN. So it's a pretty one easy one to make. Okay. We jump to wide receiver 41. It's it's Kadarius Tony time. His teammates, Kenny Galladay is also being drafted. Um, we are above ADP and Galladay at wide receiver 57. We have a whole clip on this. If you want my full take on Kadarius Tony, you can find it there. My quick one. So few wide receivers look like this guy when he's healthy out there on the field. Like there was that tiniest sample, but two to three to four games outside wide receiver, roasting some great corners inside wide receiver, creating separation. Um, he's not just a slot player. The Wandale Robinson pick does not, in my opinion, impact Kadarius Tony and where he is being drafted right now. It has shifted a lot. It was around wide receiver 50. It's up to wide receiver 44 right now. For Kadarius Tony, this is our impact on the community, Hayden. Um, I still firmly believe with Tony, all of the negatives that we might get every offseason leading up to every single regular season for the rest of his career is still factored in here because talent-wise, play caller-wise, you might be getting a top 24 wide receiver outcome for who the individual is in KT. There's not a wide receiver ranked wide receiver 40 or below that is as good as Kadarius Tony is like period like will he do it let's flip a coin but the fact that I can flip a coin and it can be yes uh at this price tag it's a no-brainer and I I, I think you can make the same argument 
for Kenny Galladay. I'm, I'm not no. drafting any Sterling Shepard. Wandale Robinson, I think, is going to be the slot player. Like you said, I think that Wandale's selection was Sterling Shepard insurance. And I think that's the case because Kadarius Tony is not just a slot receiver. Like some of the scouting reports out there said, he was winning on the outside X, uh, X receiver routes against some actually good talent, uh, like press man coverage, just roasting them. So I think that Kadarius Tony is an absolute stud, and you're not getting as much upside as you can with Kadarius Tony in this range. Yeah, a drop of 20 spots just at wide receiver for Kenny Galladay last offseason versus this offseason. The biggest difference is. I expect him to see more deep targets. He only had 19% of his targets last season, traveled 20 plus yards down the field. It needs to be like 33% like it was with, uh, with Detroit. And I expect that to happen. Um, and he can be somewhat the vertical player like Gabriel Davis in this offense. And if you want your ISO ball wide receiver, guess what? Kadarius Tony can fulfill that with, uh, with Brian Dayball. This truly might be. And again, every single negative thing you can say about Kadarius, I, I get it. And I have to just eat it. I have to gobble it up. Who but cares if you're wrong in the ninth round? Who cares? What I'm saying that's what I'm saying. Okay. God, we still have more names. Alan take, Lazard. Take your poison. <laughs> Alan Lazard at wide receiver 43 is up next for us. Uh, this is where all of the Packers wide receivers start being drafted. Christian Watson, wide receiver 53. Sammy Watkins at wide receiver 74. Some might say we'd rather take Romeo Dubs in the 18th round over Sammy Watkins at his current ADP. Um, but let's talk about Alan Lazard because we outlined it with Devonte Adams. The passing game was built around this guy inside the 10 inside the 20 slot usage screen usage. It was all there. How much of that pie is going to be given to Alan Lazard in your opinion? I think a large chunk of it. He is to me, like one of the only receivers on this depth chart that can play inside and outside. Uh, and they definitely like him. Like Alan Lazard was called the number one receiver by Aaron Rodgers, and they're just making a bet on Alan Lazard. I don't trust Christian Watson. I definitely don't trust uh, Dubs because uh, of where he was drafted. I don't trust Sammy Watkins for health and play reasons. Like last year, I don't even think that he is a lock to make uh, this roster. Uh, my second favorite uh, Packers wide receiver is Julio Jones who every single time I go on The Athletic or ESPN or anybody that covers uh, the Packers, they keep writing Julio Jones' name in parentheses. They're doing that for a reason, I think. And Alan, or, uh, Julio Jones probably just doesn't want to go uh, to minicamp and stuff at this point in his career. He probably wants to go chase a ring. This would be the chance for him to chase a ring. I think that he'd be a perfect scheme fit. Julio Jones is my number one most exposed to player this year. He's going way too late. I think that there's a, a reasonable chance that he ends up with the Packers. And I think that Alan Lazard plus Julio Jones – uh, with Randall Cobb in the slot. Um, I can see that being the wide receiver three set that they kind of roll with. Okay. We have a whole clip on him as our wide receiver 44 in Tyler Boyd. We are eight spots above ADP on him. Get it while you can. Not just the outcome. Like if all three wide receivers are there and they stay healthy for that team, he still hits this, especially with the more too high shells they're going to see. Uh, but if one of those top two names falls down, then Tyler Boyd's uh, extreme value at that spot. Wide receiver 45 for us is Brandon Ayuk. Uh, he was actually drafted over Debo Samuel at this time last season. Uh, a lot of people wanted to have that second-year breakout. What they got was the second-year doghouse to start his season. And um, again, more outside breaking routes, outside the numbers, should probably help Brandon Ayuk. I still love the individual talent, but again, it's a sharp decline for the public's perspective on maybe not who he is um, as an individual player, probably some of it, but just the overall success of this passing game. 
he's just chaos and like the environment around him is chaos. Uh, I think that he probably needs Kittle or uh, Debo to miss some time to to truly pay off. Okay. Wide receiver 47 is Hunter Renfro. I wanted to bring this up because we're actually eight spots after ADP on Hunter Renfro. Do not want the Raiders fans to know that because they get very defensive about their guy. And I understand it. He's a great player. I guess my perspective on this is in a lot of ways, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro fulfilled like the same parts of their passing games last season with the Packers and with the Raiders. A few examples of that. Um, Devontae Adams saw the ninth most slot targets in the league last year at 78th. Hunter Renfro was 10th. They both can't have 75 plus slot targets this season. Um, also last year, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro were nearly neck and neck, both, I believe, top five and inside the 10 yard targets. That's not going to happen once again this season. So someone has to lose out on top of Darren Waller being inserted into this team. And I don't think that's necessarily going to be Devontae Adams. I think it's probably going to be Hunter Renfro. Yeah, Hunter Renfro is just at the mercy of Devontae Adams and Darren Waller both being healthy. When he when Hunter Renfro was going out or going off, that was with Henry Ruggs uh, basically going to prison and then Darren Waller bang, banged up. So he has to fight both of that. I mean, he had the fifth most targets inside the 20 last season. I believe Devontae was number three on that list. Again, these two things are going to be great for pure football standpoints, but the high value target opportunities, I think there's just going to be fewer of those for Renfro. Okay, two more. And really two teams that we haven't talked about at all yet. The first one is the Titans at wide receiver 49. Um, we actually have Robert Woods ranked ahead of Traylon Burks, who's going as wide oh receiver 40. Yeah. If you lasted two hours and 12 minutes in the show, that's one of our hotter takes. And I'm all for it, man. Um, again, I think your entire percentage of drafting Traylon Burks this season is what you believed in him prior to the Titans drafting him in the first round. You know, like if you think he is a stud prospect, then you don't care about what's going on this summer at all. Um, I had my questions about him in multiple phases of the game. And I absolutely love that Robert Woods is already out there. And the beat writers are saying he is the unquestioned number one pass catcher on this team. So I think the most important thing is every single beat reporter is saying Robert Woods is ahead of schedule. And then Traylon Burks, it's the asthma, but they're also saying conditioning. And, and if you read Vrabel's comments, he's kind of impl implying that it's conditioning on top of just the asthma. And Traylon Burks, the reason why I was lower on him than, than basically anybody uh, in the pre-draft process was that he was playing at 240 pounds at wide receiver. To me, I always can kind of see how this, this could have played out. And more importantly, he was used in such a unique way that really adds in a, and a little element, like, yes, his stats were good, but how predictable those stats were versus go winning on the outside leaves a little bit uh, of a boom bust type of profile. He's the fact that he's not out there practicing to me is a true red flag and i was listening to um the titans reporter that was on a good football show and he said that uh nick nick westbrook akine is like their number two and Traylon burks are their number three it's early i don't truly believe that obviously i would draft Traylon burks over nick westbrook akine but um i think like median out outcome i would say robert woods is the number one i think later in the season we're probably gonna have some crazy Traylon burks plays but um he he to, he needed to be on the field among all the rookies like to, he's transitioning to a new position like you can't do that just by like being uh on on a bike like you got to be out there actually practicing especially for yeah, variable I, I think maybe the biggest positive in the corner of trail on burks is if you draft him you can say well i'm drafting for weeks 12 through 17 
you know, because it, early indications are not great. As you said with Mike Vrabel and we saw with the Julio Jones experiment last year, if you don't practice, you don't play, man. Like he, you have to practice for him or else he hates you. He hates you. And Traylon is, is fun in that. Not going to say a la AJ Brown, but he can take those middle of the field targets, run with them and be powerful after the catch. He was manufactured touches a lot of Arkansas and had like a pretty small sample of lining up one-on-one and trying to get vertical and winning in those environments. But he had a lot of, grooming to do he he had a lot need to be cleaned up around the edges and if he's not getting that right now man. he's he's not aj brown athletically could we like no he's not this? no he's like, not not even aj brown is ludicrous yep traylon burks is you. a reasonable athlete yep he's not aj brown this is ridiculous yep. there's a there's a big difference i didn't say that there's a big no, difference know. though between an average to fantastic athlete and maybe we will see that even though the quote-unquote usage might be the same from a Fantastic athlete from AJ Brown to him to an average, which is not bad, but average in Traylon Burks. Okay. So we've gone through all 31 teams. Basically there is one left. Some teams wide receiver four is being drafted over the number one pass catcher for the Patriots. Um, for us, for you, that's Devonte Parker. Who's being drafted as wide receiver 64. You have him ranked as the wide receiver 50. Jacoby Myers being drafted two spots around Devonte Parker as wide receiver 62 Kendrick Bourne at wide receiver 83. Tyquan Thornton is, I think, a fun late round shot at wide receiver 18 because of spike weeks, better in best ball formats. Um, all I can say is, well, one, none of these guys are like proven exceptional players. But I think the view of the Patriots is they're just going to be how they were last year in terms of run first, and that's that. I wouldn't... I wouldn't be completely sold on that environment. I think they're going to put more responsibility on Mac Jones' shoulders in year two. Mac Jones has earned more uh, passes per game, and the wide receiver group is better this year because they traded for Devontae Parker. I think Devontae Parker is one of the miss, one of the biggest mispriced players, period. It doesn't matter any position. Uh, Devontae Parker is an X receiver. That's something that Jacoby Myers surely cannot say. Jacoby Myers is probably only a slot player, to be honest. Kendrick Bourne is like a, a nice role player, a pretty efficient player. Um, some it's like some like kind of non-sticky categories. Devontae Parker is like gonna be out there when they're on the goal line. Who's gonna be the wide receiver out there? It's gonna be Devontae Parker. And if Mac Jones has more of a ceiling than we're anticipating, if he can be a Philip Rivers type of player. I think that somebody in this offense is completely mispriced. And I think it's Devontae Parker who, yeah, he might not be as good as we thought that he could be, but damn, he's still a reasonably uh, starter level player. And he's being drafted so late into these drafts. Somebody on the Patriots is going to be an absolute smash. I'm thinking it's going to be Mac Jones, uh, um, Hunter Renf- or Hunter Henry, and Devontae Parker. I don't know how the wide receiver rotation is going to be behind Devontae Parker, but he's, his ass is going to be at X receiver in every single type of formation. And I can, you cannot tell me that's going to be the case with Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, Tyquan Thor, and Nelson Aguilar, all those guys. I think they're going to be in a rotation. And then Devontae Parker is going to be out there like 90% of the snaps. If you watch Mac Jones, you will come away by thinking he is good at football. I mean, his timing, his placement, his rhythm, his vision, all of it is there for the pocket style of quarterback that he is. Plus he can move a little bit, you know, if you don't come away with those takeaways, you're just lying to yourself. You really are. Um, now, am I as high on Devontae Parker as you are? No, because it's been a rocky road along the way. But like, if we get good Devontae Parker, totally with you that this could be one of the bigger values in uh, in fantasy football. Because again, there was a few-week sample that we saw this team 
when they had some offensive line difficulties, split things out in three wide and say, hey, Mac, do what you did at Alabama. Get the ball out of your hands quickly. Identify where the soft spots are in coverage and deliver the football. Again, accurately with great timing. And he can do that. And um, I think people are going to be surprised by by that Patriots offense, just in, in terms of the passing elements of what Mac Jones can bring to the table. And if that's the case, one of these players is going to do pretty well. In healthy games last year, Devontae Parker had 7, 9, 7, 9, 11, 8, 13, 4 targets. You don't get that. You don't get that level of targets uh, this late in the draft, usually. Okay. And again, I don't hate Tyquan Thornton as a round 18 selection, but... He was drafted, fun fact, he was drafted ahead of Sky Moore in the actual draft. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It is. It is, it is. Okay. That's going to do it for us. Um, I apologize for the length of the show. We did do it last week. We did it again. But these shows, again, if you watch it all the way through the first time, fantastic. You can also check back through the entire month of July before training camps open up, before things really get to changing. And this is a great perspective, I think, on every single team. We've gone through quarterback, wide receiver, running back, and tight end. And a little capsule of how we think these teams are going to play offense, the usage, the areas of focus for each unit as well. And really the, the the pockets and the tear breaks for the positions in your fantasy drafts. All right. Hayden, is there anything else you want to say before we get out of here? This is probably my last show. I'm going to get fired for being 20 minutes late to this meeting. <laughs> all right. For Tony, for Scampers, for Doom, for all of you, thanks for tuning in. Tell one friend about the channel, Up the Villa. Talk to you all soon. See ya.